0: Straight from the Man Cave, Kinnick Under the Kitchen. Authentic, original player artwork is being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. Locally made prints of stars wearing the black and gold from the past, present, and future. How about current Hawkeye superstars, Cooper DeGene and Tori Taylor? Legends of the past like Jack Campbell, Spencer Lee, and Tim Dwight. Plus future phenoms like Aaron Graves. There are so many options available. They make great gifts and your purchase benefits the Hawkeye athletes wearing the black and gold. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Again, that's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. Iowa Floor Covering, a locally owned flooring store in Bondurant, Iowa, that specializes in do-it-yourself Projects. If you're a contractor or a DIYer, Iowa Floor Covering has your back. Right now at Iowa Floor Covering, get Tough Core Click Together 4.5 Millimeter Waterproof Vinyl Flooring for $269 per foot when you install it yourself. That's a much better value than you'll find at any of the big box stores. Looking for other types of flooring? They can help with that too. Between their exceptional product knowledge and commitment to customer service, the guys at Iowa Floor Covering will provide everything you need to complete your DIY flooring project. So what are you waiting for? Skip the box stores now and visit iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. That's iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. Promotional pricing only available with self-installation. Well, we are here. On the 27th day of December, I am joined by a very familiar and friendly face. Coach Don Patterson is with me. I'm Corey Braddy, your host from the Hawkeye of the Storm. This is a special edition of one of my favorite shows to do, and that is Hawkeye Hangout, where we talk with fans, usually about nothing in particular, but it always seems to be like something in particular is pressing. And this week, of course, Don, we got a game to talk about. Final game of the year once again the college football season has come and it is nearly gone and in the midst of the transfer portal and recruiting we just got done with national signing day a week ago football is still very much happening and we've got uh, bowl games this evening and of course new year's day bowl uh, action including the hawks and the tennessee volunteers first of all thank you for being here don how'd your uh, how'd your so early start to the winter go i know uh, we're about what six official days into the winter it doesn't feel like we've had it yet
1: yeah, we've been lucky so far. I say that because I'd still prefer our weather be a little more like Texas in the wintertime. Uh, but we can't get the weather. It's certainly been nicer than you would expect
2: this late into this.
0: Absolutely. We had some snow here yesterday in Ames, and it uh, actually was snowing on my way back inside here this evening. Um, but the uh, ground's still warm enough that nothing's really collecting. And um, boy, I'll take that. I-, I will take that. It has not felt like. The cold season yet and every month that we like this this what we've had is like what they have out in oregon and what they have in like arkansas more mild middling climates so um, i do appreciate that of course this is a call-in show so I encourage everybody if you're watching at home or on the road well if you're on the road be safe please don't be calling in unsafely from your car but uh, be sure to be a part of the show our number is up on the screen 515-635-1601 515 515- 635-1601 if you have a question for coach patterson or myself of course don is the expert i'm just uh, the guy that tries to uh, keep it together for a couple of hours while we talk about hawkeye football and don uh, speaking of hawkeye football big news broke yesterday regarding iowa linebacker jay higgins and his dad roy who's kind of become a sensation on social media for his hawk 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 mantra Uh, He kind of gave us some indication that this announcement might be coming. Roy tweeted a a day before that he had had a conversation with Jay, and he and his mom had given him some advice. So the announcement came yesterday through the university that uh, basically Jay saying, hey, I'm not done yet. I got more to prove. Were you at all surprised by that announcement? I was not. But uh, you think about how big it is. It really lays the foundation for another solid defense in 2024.
1: It absolutely does, Corey. And the thing I appreciate, our guys, invariably, if they're in the program, especially for four or five years, they have tremendous loyalty to the program. And they don't want to miss out on an opportunity to continue to wear that same jersey. Good example a year ago, think about this. Sam Laporte coming off an injury says, um, without really much consideration otherwise, of course I'm going to play in the ballgame. Jack Campbell playing in the bowl game. Both guys um, might have jeopardized themselves for the NFL, and yet they wanted to do it. They wanted to take that risk. And um, I'm happy for both of them that they've had outstanding rookie years.
0: 100%. And, you know, we'll see on Nick Jackson. I had somebody – I just want to make sure we're clear on this. I had somebody send me a tweet here a couple hours ago regarding Nick Jackson accepting an invite to play in the Senior Bowl. That does not mean he's gone. Remember, Riley Moss did the same thing, opted to come back. So uh, that does not necessarily mean a player is gone. And to our caller that's on the phone line, we're going to put you on hold. We'll get to you in just a second. But uh, that decision from Nick Jackson has not yet come down. The NCAA has said that he is eligible. That's the big news this week. Brad Heinrichs of the Swarm confirmed that they have approved his waiver how big would it be, Don, if you could get both of those guys back next year?
1: It would be significant. You know, their the experience counts for so much. And, of course, uh, Higgins played in, in Jack's shadow for any length of time. But he was still learning along the way. I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you he learned a lot from Jack Campbell. One reason Chase played so well is because he had a great guy to, to emulate that was only a year ahead of him in school. And uh, it would mean a lot to have those guys back they set a great example for the rest of their teammates and it's hard to imagine they wouldn't go on to have an exceptional year in 2024
0: not that anybody cares about who my favorite player is of all time or my favorite player on this roster not that i necessarily typically have favorites and if jay higgins had decided to go to the league maybe he got a third or fourth round grade in the league i'd be like hey you know i don't blame the guy for leaving and, and getting a couple million dollars to start off his career but Here's what I'll say about his decision to return for whatever reason, whatever the reason was ultimately that caused him to want to come back. He is going to be go down as one of my all-time favorites because of what you just said, Don, he waited his turn. He bided his time. He could have entered the transfer portal and left A really talented kid. He could have probably transferred to a number of big 10 schools. Heck he's from big 10 country from Indianapolis. He stuck it out here and with the COVID season, remember he also came here during the whole uh, discrimination controversy of 2020. He was part of that 2020 class. He stayed locked into his commitment, put faith in the program. They, in turn, apparently put faith in him. Sounds like he's got a really strong relationship with Seth Wallace, Phil Parker, and Kirk. It just these are the stories that you love coming out of college football, and they're few and far between in this new NIL transfer portal era.
1: You're right. Jay has done exactly what I always encourage my players to do. I started off by telling them you don't have to be a starter on this football team. You don't have to be second team. What you do need to do, you need to be the version. And if you are in second team on the depth chart, you'd be the best damn second team player you can be. It's only a matter of time before we need you in a major way. In Jay's case, it wasn't critical that he'd be ready to assume that, that star status until until the fall of '23. Uh, he played in Jack Shadow, but there's no doubt in my mind we had a wonderfully good second team linebacker last year behind Jack Campbell.
0: He's a star now. Jay Higgins is yes, a star, he is. and I mean, just I've had the conversation with the kid. His dad obviously exudes positive energy. We've talked about him. We'll continue to talk about Roy. We hope to get Roy on this very show, but just just a great story. And I'd say the same thing about Cooper DeGene. We've not gotten a decision yet on Cooper. Expect an announcement coming, I would guess, based on the indications I've gotten. That decision, that announcement is going to be coming after the bowl game at some point. I don't think we're going to get a a shocking announcement before Monday, but um, do expect uh, to hear more. But these are the stories that still make Kirk Ferentz special at this program. His ability, I'm not giving him exclusive... (laughs) Uh, credit for getting jay back but there aren't many programs getting players like this back like a jay higgins at iowa might enter the portal and go somewhere else to make money it might right. not be a matter of going to the league don it might be a matter of going into the portal and going to georgia uh now he's not this physical specimen maybe that jack campbell was but uh, he's kind of like josie Jewell and that just a hard worker got a knack for the football. He led the Big Ten in tackles, led the Power Five in tackles. Also, I think had an interception, had a couple of forced fumbles, a couple of uh, fumble recoveries. He kind of just did it all. And uh, I gave kudos to Seth Wallace yesterday, Don, but uh, I've mentioned it before, and, and I'm not trying to bring up old dirt, but I bring it up in a positive way because there was some unfortunate news or at least uh, claims in 2020 about some allegations regarding Seth Wallace. And if there's ever a a way to redeem yourself, and I I wasn't there with the whole Jack Kallenberger situation with Seth Wallace, that was publicized. It is what it is. Those were the allegations that were part of the 2020 scandal. But I can just tell you right now, his players now really love him. Don, whether you're talking about Nick Jackson or Jay Higgins, and you can bet your, your bet, the farm on this, he has had opportunities to go other places. All right, he has had opportunities. There have been other schools that have reached out to Seth Wallace, and somehow, some way, Kirk Ferentz and Phil Parker have kept him here.
1: Well, I have a feeling that Seth thinks a lot like I used to think. <clears throat> For me, it never has been about money. It never was about money, and maybe Seth feels that same way. He's not going to leave here just because the next job pays a little more. He's making a good salary here. He's got great loyalty to Kirk because Kirk gave him a great opportunity some years ago, and he's taken full advantage of it.
0: Let's go to our first caller here, Hawkeye Hangout with Coach John Patterson. Thank you for calling the show. Who's on the line?
3: Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Oh, okay. Um, One quick question is let's say that after the bowl game, um Kirk Ference decides to to throw a, a curveball and say I'm out uh, of the uh, just say yeah I'm done because I'm you know I was I'm mad that that Brian my son Brian was fired. So let's just say they both out. What do you uh what would be um just a scenario as to filling coaches, maybe you know, grassing for straws kind of thing. Who do you think that they would, you know, just throw in? You know, are are, are they even? Is the uh, university even seeing that scenario? If that scenario was to take place, are they even considering that?
0: That's a good question. Uh, I don't think Kirk's going to do that. I've been on the record. And saying, I think it's a fair, a fair question, and I would say that it's more than likely. Uh, Phil Parker would be that guy, assuming Phil was willing to be that guy. If Kirk all of a sudden said, you know what? Maybe they win. Maybe they win 11 games. And Kirk's just like, this is a huge accomplishment. I don't like what happened with my son this year. I don't like where the Big Ten is heading. I don't like NIL and transfer portal. Maybe he surprises everybody, shocks everybody, and does that, Don. Phil would have to be the first guy that Iowa says, hey, can you please fill in? Now, no pun intended when I say fill in for Phil Parker. But my point my point is, uh, that. Ass, assuming that Phil Parker would do that and he wouldn't walk away with Kirk. Any other thoughts on the, the question? I think it's a fair question.
1: Well, first off, knowing Kirk as well as they do, uh, it would be absolutely shocking to me if that happened, simply because uh, Kirk is not a disingenuine person. If he were disingenuine, maybe he would throw us a curveball after the game. But he's not. So I'd be absolutely shocked if that happened.
0: But wouldn't uh, would you agree that uh, Phil Parker would have to be the guy in that scenario?
1: Phil would need to be on the on the short list of candidates to replace Kirk if if it happened in, with that particular time frame.
0: Okay, let's go back to our our call in line. Thank you for calling our Hawkeye Hangout show with Coach Patterson. Who's on the line? Hi. Hi. Am I online now? You're you're on the air. You're you're talking to Coach Patterson. Okay.
4: Hey, Coach, this is Joey Collins. Thanks for the heads up to call in today. Joey, how are you? Good, good. Good corresponding with you this morning. Thank you. So, hey, I just wanted to compliment you guys. It's just such an outstanding show, and I'm out in Arizona, so it's really, really neat to – Keep close to the Hawkeyes, and um, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. And I'm sure uh, many of the people I talk to do as well.
0: Well, thank you, Joey. I know there's a big, big fan base down in the the great state of Arizona. Big Hawkeye, especially this time of year. A uh, big Hawkeye population down there.
4: Yeah. So, and I don't know a lot of the fans that you have on the show. I don't know if they realize what a great guy Donnie is. And um, I remember over 40 years ago when I was training at. Finkbine, Donnie and uh, Dell Miller and Barry and Carl Jackson and uh, all the guys would run past Finkbine every day and wave at me and I was just so uh, so flattered and uh, inspired. So
1: thank well, you, Donnie, for keeping me. Joey, it was, it was my pleasure. We all had great respect for you, for what you did and and Corey's not fully aware certainly of of your past, but Corey uh, Joey is one of the best trick shot golfers you will ever ever see. And if you don't believe it, you can Google Joey O, and I bet it'll his website will pop up. Is that true, Joey?
4: Yes, yeah, so if you just Google Joey O golf, it'll pop up. Or my website's joeyogolf.com. and uh, there's some really good videos there too.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Joey, we need to get you in touch with our guy Kyle because uh, uh Kyle just finished his career at. Uh, a small school over in Illinois and he's a, he's a golf junkie and we got him on quite a bit. So uh, at some point you'll have to call back in when Kyle's on here.
2: Yeah,
4: actually I have, uh, I, I think I saw the program when you had some videos of you guys out playing. <laughs> That's <laughs> when you guys, when you get when was 12 to 13 or whatever the score was, I remember yes. that it was very good.
0: Yep. That, that was awesome. So, uh, Joey, uh, appreciate yeah, you calling yeah. in, sir. And, uh, yeah, yep. you're welcome anytime. I'll definitely check out your site.
4: Okay, appreciate the great work you guys do. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, sir.
1: Great to talk to you, Joey. Okay, Bye. Bye. That
0: was fun. I didn't know. I, I you've told me about Joey, but it took me a couple minutes to put the uh, conversation. So he is from Iowa. Joey O is from Iowa.
1: Yes, as I recall, grew up around Cedar Rapids somewhere.
0: Okay. Cool. Very nice. Um. I'm just seeing when I search Joey O, the first thing I see is Joey O and Tiger Woods on the tonight show with Jay Leno. That's right. Was he on the tonight show with Tiger Woods?
1: <laughs> he can also give you uh, 400 stories about Bob Hope also, because he's performing Bob Hope a lot too.
0: Wow. Well, good for Joey. I, I'm, now I'm excited to check out that website and check out Joey O, uh, what he does. And uh, good to know he's a Hawkeye fan. That's awesome. Um, well, okay. Go ahead, One
1: thing, Corey, I did mention to him that you and I had played golf together and I mentioned even that maybe we could get you over to Figmine this next summer. And he said, well, if, if you and Corey are going to be on Finkbine, maybe if you guys are interested, maybe I'll give you a few lessons about how to no longer struggle to break 100. He said, I'm confident I can get you way down below 100.
0: Don, are you calling me a 100 golfer?
1: <laughs> no, I was talking about myself. <laughs> I did mention to uh, him, I said, I can't play with Corey,
0: he's too good. <laughs> well, that's not true at all. Uh, Kyle would uh, Kyle would attest to the opposite of that. But anyways, uh, good stuff. We're going to put our caller on our phone line on hold just for a minute. we got lots of people who want to talk with you, Don, so that's great. Kyle's in our chat, by the way, so I'm glad that Kyle was able to catch that call here early. Uh, Coyle Stipulate brings up something very noteworthy to start the show as well, Don. The news that broke today regarding Tennessee quarterback Joe Milton... Uh, announcing that he would be declaring for the NFL draft and opting out of the bowl game. Seemed to me like a late announcement, late to the game type of announcement for him. But I guess they were taking, I guess he was taking part in bowl prep prior to the Vols traveling down there. And I think they just got down there yesterday, I think, down to Orlando. Of course, a shorter trip for them than it was for the Hawkeyes. But uh, did this catch you by surprise? And how big of an impact will this have on the game?
1: It did catch me by surprise. Uh, As you know, Joe Milton had a nice year, uh, 65% completions, 20 touchdown passes versus only five picks, things like that. Uh, And as you're well aware, the backup is a very, very highly regarded true freshman. Matter of fact, Marco was ranked not too far behind Nico, their guy. I believe his name's Nico. And uh, I, I had to look, and you might be curious would you want to guess how many snaps the true freshman backup quarterback has had over the season? I should I be more, more specific. How many pass attempts?
0: I don't want to guess, but I'd say 20. Uh,
1: you were pretty sure it was going to be more than uh, what Marco had, had received. Uh, <laughs> as, I re- as I recall, long enough to throw 26 passes. I believe he was 16 for 26. He did appear in four different games. And that would be a good idea to get your young phenom some reps in the unlikely event that the starter went down. Very true. In this case, he wasn't injured. But one of the reasons I'm sure that Joe Milton felt comfortable with stepping away from the game is he felt pretty good about his backup, who has played some and will present us with some problems. One problem is simply we don't know that much about him. So there's a little bit of an issue with knowing what to expect. But I still like the idea of playing against an inexperienced backup that happens to be a teenager. I assume that, that Nico is still a teenager at this point.
0: Somebody gave me an indication today that there have been rumblings. I have not heard the rumblings. Here are this is how we this how information spreads. But secondhand rumblings that perhaps there is a plan to get Marco Linez some snaps in this game. I have never been an uh, advocate for just throwing him in as the starter. And I'm not saying this news about Joe Milton declaring for the draft should affect Iowa's approach to the quarterback position. But the fact that what you you just said, here's a young guy in Nico who's going to get an opportunity, but he's already thrown 20 plus passes in his career, despite having an NFL draft eligible quarterback and a guy who's probably going to get taken. Um, I don't know where he's projected, but in spite of all that and, you know, Josh, is it Heppel or Hupel? I I never pr- know how to pronounce his last name. Heppel, I blame. The, Here's the former quarterback. So he understands the struggles that a young guy may go through and the, the growing pains, and yet, like you just said, uh, this young man who's highly recruited, highly regarded will have an opportunity. I just hope we see Marco in this game, and no, I'm not saying you don't care about winning, but isn't this, in this era, Don, is it totally sacrilegious for you as a former coach or for me as a Talking head to call this game, you know, important, but also a somewhat of an audition for next
1: spring. Well, one of the one of the storylines for all the bowl games this season, if you are honest about the whole thing, with so many opt outs and so many transfer portals, here's the truth: we got 41 bowl games, I believe it is, and and on average, those bowl games have less significance than they used to have, on average. Yeah. I made the comment I was watching UNLV versus – help me out. Who was UNLV playing?
0: Texas State.
1: Texas State. Is that right? Um, That didn't sound right. No, it was uh, University of Kansas. It was Kansas versus UNLV. Well, as you know, Andy took off from Kansas to be the next OC at Penn State. Right. So here's Kansas playing a bowl game without their play caller without their offensive coordinator at least. I guess I don't know for a fact that Andy Cohen all the place. Uh, Penn State certainly thought so or they wouldn't have hired him. But uh, the bottom line is that a lot of these bowl games have less significance than a conference matchup in the middle of October. Truthfully, you know, what about, what about Iowa versus Wisconsin in, in October? That has as much or more significance as a bowl game – at the end of the year. And I'd like to think our bowl game has more significance because we have a chance to win our 11th game. But I've been very tired of watching a six and six team battle against another six and six team to see who has a winning season. Uh, And that's what we've had here in the early stages of bowl season. Too many bowl games. It would, it would please me if it wasn't quite so easy to be a bowl team. It's ridiculous that more than half the teams play a bowl game. My opinion. (laughs)
0: but <laughs> listen can i challenge you on that for a second don sure why does it matter why why does it why do people take offense to people playing games in late december why does it matter
1: it it's nothing wrong with it but i guess my point is the average fan think about how about a family of four that lives in des moines and now there's a bowl game in florida what do you think it's going to cost them to to go to florida with their children even if they're trying to cut expenses, even if they had to get in, the, get in the SUV and make a drive, and, of course, you've got motel rooms coming and going, and you've got uh, a pretty stiff price on tickets, I'm sure, and, and um, not to mention lodging once you get there, meals in between. It's not a cheap proposition for the average family. And let's face it, the average family, uh, their their earned income this calendar year in 2023 doesn't go as far as it did one year earlier. So a lot of people are, are strapped for cash right now, and they're just forced to make hard decisions. They love their, the football team they like to support, but it's really money that they don't really have to make that trip.
0: But what, what impact does that have on the game happening or not? It has an impact on pressure on fans for traveling. Like, I don't blame these stadiums that are almost empty with bowl games, and people may say, well, it's kind of ridiculous that there are games with no fans, but like the games must be making money. Because they're sponsored and they're on television. I heard, uh, what's the old Super Bowl company? Uh, Avocados from Mexico, right? They they deserted their Super Bowl advertising to sponsor a bowl game and the college football playoff. There obviously is money involved here. I love football, more, uh, Don, just like you do. And do I love the fact I lost that... You, Corey. Do I love the fact that a five and seven Minnesota team that probably deserved to be four and eight got in? Not really. That kind of annoys me. But I just love games, especially without having to worry about. You know, the, the thing about the regular season, Don, is you and I are so honed in on Iowa on Saturdays. We both miss a lot of other football on Saturdays. And that is college football Saturday. The bowl games, I like that they're sprinkled throughout the month. Please don't take bowl games away from me, Don. <laughs>
1: I understand. That's all uh, and, I I know. Maybe I acknowledge this. Even if the game doesn't have much significance in terms of a record, a 6-6 six and six versus another 6-6, six and six, you do bring up a good point. In so many cases, it is a preview of next fall's football team. Right. And in that regard, the, fa- the average fan will have more than just a little bit of interest in how it all plays out.
0: All right, let's go back to our uh, our call line here. Thank you for calling Hawkeye Hangout with Coach Don Patterson. Who's on the line?
5: So I couldn't get my Streamyard to work, so I had a call line today.
0: Oh, James, going with the old phone line. How you doing, man? StreamYard what's I going on watching. with I stream What's going on with Streamyard, so man? What's, what's going on here?
5: I don't know. It just kept glitching for me. I couldn't like actually see anything. It just kept buffering the whole time. So,
0: well, we're glad you made it nonetheless. I- Yeah, but first off,
5: uh, happy to see Jay Higgins came back. I think that's first and foremost, and obviously I hope that means Nick Jackson comes back. He didn't talk about his waiver yet today, I think, did you?
0: Um, And I just mentioned it yesterday. Yes, Nick Jackson's waiver has been approved. Don and I talked a few minutes ago about how the news that broke, what, five or six days ago that uh, Nick Jackson accepted an invitation to play in the Senior Bowl does not impact his ability to come back. He has not made that decision. He still has. Up until a certain point, I don't know when the senior bowl is, but Don, the early uh, or the uh, declaration deadline is January 15th. So he's got to make a decision yeah. by January 15th. I don't know how the senior bowl is affected. they may you did know earlier, but I think there's a good chance he comes back. And I think part of that is just intuition based on the fact that we've already gotten an announcement from Jay Higgins. The fact that, that announcement came just about a day after Nick's eligibility became clear. Um, I think it's great if some of these athletes that come back, I'm not saying you're going to get all six back or four of the six or whatever. I think it's great if these athletes spread this spread the wealth a bit, not all announce on the same day, because I do think this is something to celebrate. And for the reasons I brought up earlier, it's just so almost unprecedented in this day and age of college football. And it's the last year for COVID affected athletes to get that free year. So this is, this is it. I mean, we're not going to be able to talk about, you know, Deshaun Lee doing this in a couple of years or Cohen Entringer doing this uh, or even Xavier Wampa doing this. So I just think it's something to celebrate, and I'm happy for for uh, Jay. If Nick leaves, no ill will. He, he came here and gave Iowa a lot in one year. And
5: The good thing is with one of them back, I feel like you're in a better spot. And I'm not saying that Shar and – Shire and Harrow and all of them can't do the job, but with one of them back is better, obviously, than having none of them back. At least if you if you get both, obviously, that's better than nothing, I that's better than having one. But if you can get one back, at least which we have, at least that makes it better because you can at least have the trust on one end and maybe the youth can help who, whoever it is, whether it's Harrow or, Char, or Carson Shire or whoever it is at the other spot, if Nick doesn't come back.
3: Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, you got faith in, in what Seth Walls does, and we've talked about Phil Parker's. Pedigree, but but how about Seth's and what you just said about Carson Shire, As long as he stays healthy, he's going to be. Uh, he should be a factor for playing time next season, regardless of if uh, you get Nick Jackson back. And then you, as we've talked about on the show before, James talking about recruiting, they got young guys like Ben Keeter and Aiden Hall and Derek Weisskopf now, who will can, be a true you freshman. You can throw
5: Jaden, you throw uh, Jaden Harrow in there for like too, because he played a little bit last year too. So I think this name you can kind of throw in there too, maybe with.
0: Yeah, he's. If he comes back with a chance to get some playing time. I think people expected him to kind of take a jump sooner, but sometimes it takes a little bit for guys. But he was a, a highly regarded kid at high school as well. Good point.
5: And then another thing, too, I want to say do you see what Schulte said in his interview when they asked him about him coming back? About uh, I, I'm coming not, back.
0: I'll be quite frank. I have not watched any of those player interviews that you're talking about, but no.
5: Do I know what he said? What did he say? He said that it makes it easier. It makes, it, it would make it an easier choice for him knowing he's coming back. So like, not that he will come back, but it makes it, it makes it like, a uh, kind of a harder, but an easier decision where it's like, he knows he'll be back. If he makes that choice to come back, he knows he has somebody with him. It's kind of what he said.
0: Oh yeah. Well, frankly, th- this, is gonna gonna of, this is going to sound kind of, this is going to sound kind of short-sighted Don, but what is Quinn Schulte's draft prospects? If he leaves? Do you think? I know you're not NFL scale. If he's got an option, I I would think
1: he'd be a free free agent. Is what I would think.
0: So I I would think that if if you were Quinn Schulte's coach, or I don't want to say dad because we don't know what's going on within the family, but like if you were someone close to Quinn, you knowing you, Don Patterson would probably say, "Hey, I played college football. I've coached it for years. Come back." Uh, I mean, we can't make you, but you will. you want to come back.
3: <laughs> you
1: don't yeah. want to make decisions for a young like that. Men, but it would, it would actually be in your best interest to come back. Right. Because you're not going to get the attention that you might think this year.
6: Right.
5: But it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they do. And obviously, you want to win this game just because I feel like, obviously, it's going to be tough to see Nico. Nico's a good quarterback, but you don't know either. him. He has a face of defense he's never seen before. He hasn't played much snaps at the division one level. I so it goes kind of both ways. Cause just because yeah. you're highly touted, you know, it doesn't always mean you're going to pan out to be what you're, what they. Say
0: uh, no, it doesn't. That makes it's sense. his first, if it's his first, uh, it is his first career start, right? He hasn't started a game Don.
5: Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't started again. He just played, he played some relief, but he hasn't like started any.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would expect that he's going to have a lot of problems. Now it is to his advantage that Cooper's not playing, but I mean, look at, look at how much that defense tormented the Kentucky quarterback, all all the Kentucky quarterbacks a year ago at the Music City Bowl. I mean, it was a 21-0 shutout. You had a couple of pick sixes in that game. I'm not saying it's going to happen again. And Tennessee is a better offensive team, without question, than Kentucky was a year ago. They don't have the
5: running back. Didn't didn't the running back and
0: their top receiver opt out? They're down their quarterback. They're down their running back now, very similar to what we saw two years ago in the Music City Bowl. Don?
1: top two running backs. Um, Jabari Small just yesterday said, I'm out. Uh, And he he was a productive player. He ran for 475, average five yards of carry. So the number one and number two running backs are out.
0: And remember two years ago in the Citrus Bowl, which is not a bad bowl game historically, two years ago in the Citrus Bowl, Will Levis was out for Kentucky. Chris Rodriguez uh, Jr. was out for Kentucky. This is the norm now with the new bowl system. Right. But but can it we again? So, one, so awesome,
5: one team that ha-
0: that my bad. My bad. You're no, good go what
5: is one team that what is one team that hasn't had very many opt-outs in the past three years? One team? Yeah, we we're talking about them. Iowa. Iowa don't have very many opt outs. I think Tyler, Tyler opted out, but like not a lot of guys opt out from Iowa. They usually play in the book, And I think that has yeah. something to be said with, if that makes sense.
0: Amen. Yeah, it is. It is something to celebrate. And, you know, Kayvon Merriweather is another one that opted out. And I don't blame any of those young guys for for opting out. But I think that's, isn't that something, don't you have to give some credit to the head coach for the culture? You have
1: to give, and Kirk would would simply say, you got to give credit to the culture of Iowa football. Let's not forget one thing that makes Iowa different. As I used to say to the recruits in, in Texas, we're the Dallas Cowboys of Iowa. We don't have professional sports. So you're someone special to play for Iowa, and you'll feel that every day that you're at
2: Iowa.
5: Anything else, James? It'll be interesting to see. Are you doing a show after the game, obviously, on Monday, right?
0: Oh, of course. Absolutely.
5: Of course. And it would be interesting to see if the men can get a win here, what, Saturday? Is it, is it Saturday?
0: Um, I think women are – I thought – that's a good question. I need to look it up. Women it are – tomorrow. Women are tomorrow. No, women are tomorrow.
1: Women play
0: Saturday. Women play Saturday. Men play Friday.
1: The men play
5: tomorrow.
0: Okay, yeah, Friday. Okay, yeah. Friday.
5: So it'll be interesting to see if we can get some wins before that. And hopefully, we can win and hopefully get some good news. Obviously, I will take everybody back that wants to come back as a fan, you know, especially Cooper. Cooper wants to come back another year. But it's obviously they don't choose to either. That's their choice. And I appreciate everything they've done for whatever, how many years they've been in Iowa. So. In general, we're just going to keep hoping, and we know we, we can develop pretty well. So I'm not really scared if anybody doesn't choose to come back, but I, w- I hope they all do. And if they don't, I hope them good endeavors in the rest of their life.
0: Yep. Absolutely, James. Yep. Talk to you later. Thank you, sir. All right. A um, couple things here in the chat before we get to our next. we got a number of people here waiting in the queue. Erica wants to know, Don, uh, did you feel like puking after you saw someone put spicy mayo on a Krispy Kreme donut during the mayo bowl? I
1: would Uh, have been content just to take a bite out of the donut, I think. (laughs) Don't believe I need the mayo.
0: I like mayonnaise in its proper place, just for the record. I know some people hate mayonnaise. uh,
1: My idea of a cheeseburger would include mayo. Okay.
0: Well, BLT. uh, uh,
1: BLT would be mayo also, yes.
0: What was Billy Crystal's uh, go-to sandwich of choice in the Princess Bride? Bacon, lettuce? No, was it MLT? Mutton, lettuce, and tomato? What did he (laughs) say? I I, I have to watch that movie. It's been a while. But uh, anyways, yeah, you got to have mayo on a sandwich. So uh, uh, Ron wants to know, Don, do you think we'll see any innovative plays on offense? Something to surprise surprise Tennessee? Or is this wishful thinking on my part? Can I answer the question first? I think it's the last wishful thinking on your part, Ron. It's wishful thinking. If we didn't see it against Michigan, why on earth would we see it against Tennessee?
1: Chance, but I wouldn't bet on it.
0: And keep in mind, too, this is Brian Ferentz's last game as the offensive coordinator. If you see a guy like Marco Linez, I can just tell you he has got an athletic edge that we have not seen out of that position in a long, long time. So there's just just – pure sake of athleticism there's a chance i think back to what iowa was coming off of in 2015 so remember 2014 was kind of a lousy year they actually ironically enough don they played tennessee in the bowl game at the end of the uh, 2014 season they go into 2015 jake rudock is shipped off to michigan cj bethard starts the year what do we see against iowa state a couple of electric plays on the ground from cj bethard and that was like the first time in quite a while for me where i was like Wow, like this is exciting stuff to watch. <laughs> like most people would be like, oh, it's okay, great. He can run for 15, 20 yards, but we're not used to seeing that with Iowa. Now we've had even more of a drought as it relates to mobility at that position. So if Marco plays on Monday, I, I would think that dude is just primed to make some plays. I hope I'm not overhyping him. I don't think I am, but I, I love the kid's athleticism and uh, he's a playmaker. So if we see that, we, we may have a chance at some electric plays done
1: i'm sure of this some of our listeners were watching west virginia and north carolina tonight and i was amazed i don't know if green the quarterback for west virginia i don't believe he was the starter to start the season maybe he was this much i do know he was a little bit undersized probably no more than 6-1 but i'll tell you what he could do he could throw and he could run he was he was a. Uh, a dual threat quarterback, and he, I'm pretty sure that they held on to win the game. They were up by 17 with maybe eight minutes to play. So I'm pretty sure that West Virginia beat North Carolina.
0: Well, and we might great- as well just, yeah, we, we might as well just confirm that. I'm going to brag on myself a little bit. I've, I've, uh, I think I've had four or five straight bull picks that were correct. Don, I was in a very ugly fashion down to nine and nine with my picks straight up in the bowl games. But I think I have won the last four. And as far as uh, uh, West Virginia did pull it out, 30-10. to 10. So a dominant win for West Virginia. And uh, how about this? We got a bit of a surprise over in the Holiday Bowl right now on Fox. USC leading 21-7 over on, uh, up on Jeff Brom's Louisville Cardinals. So we'll see. Second quarter, a lot of time left. USC with the ball, though, up 21-7. And then AM and m and Okie State getting underway over on ESPN. So...
1: You know, that's one game I will go to the trouble of seeing is Louisville at, I should say, I shouldn't say at Southern Cal because it's a neutral side in San Diego. But that's a game I'm interested in seeing because you heard me say before, Jeff Brom will always show up with a good game plan. And SC might be up by 20, but the way SC plays defense, I wouldn't say that's a safe lead. Did you say 30 to 10 right now?
0: 21 to 7. Twenty one
1: seven. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the West Virginia score one day. You said that was a final. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Folks, we've got about one hundred and seventy people on here right now. This would be a good opportunity if you haven't done so. Please hit the thumbs up button. Just scroll down. Hit the like button. Very simple. Uh, If you're not subscribed, certainly would encourage you to do that. It's very simple to hit the subscribe button. You can even turn notifications on by hitting the bell. But please hit that like button right now. If you get an opportunity, it would be appreciated. All right. Well, we got a bunch of people that want to talk to you, Don. We'll start with uh, we'll go in order here and we'll go to a familiar face. Hawkeye Howard is with us. Hawkeye Howard, look at you. with sporting the Hawkeye of the Storm merch. Yes, I let's am. Start. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I'm, you're a little bit off center now because I threw you on the right. But uh, <laughs> actually, let's see if we can move you. No, it's right still off. Here, you know, I'll just move to the middle. How's right that? Now, look at that. You're like this. You're, you're like Logan Jones. You're like the hmm. center. Yeah, there you go.
6: Um, I had to point out the elephant in the room. Sorry, Coach, but uh what's this little stuff th- up here, Corey? Is, is that is a that mustache? Is that a mustache on you?
0: I can't see. It's, the camera's not Ooh. zoomed in on your face enough. You Put oh, the camera through to your face. The, on, your fa- on your face? You start a mustache? You're pointing at your face,
6: mm-hmm. bro. Oh, okay, well, you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Well, yeah. All right, well, uh, let's... I made some notes. I made some notes.
0: Okay. Um, let's, let's okay. Hear notes. Let's hear the notes.
6: All right. Tennessee. Let's talk about, they have four old linemen out. They have one D lineman out. They have one. Uh, they have six defensive back out, def- defensive backs out two running backs. You know, this coach, you said that earlier, one ride receiver, two linebackers, Quarterback that went to transfer, we're at today. In the injuries, they're got four transfers. They have ten. Now, what's what's that say? That kind of mimics like last year, wasn't it, Kentucky?
0: Well, it's been the last two years. I mean, every wow. year has been like yeah. this since this era it began. Yeah. Right, Here's Iowa's um,
6: two quarterbacks. Course, we know those injuries. Four, we know those
0: transfers, six, and we know most of those. So, and real so quick, a- just real quick, Hawkeye Howard one of mm-hmm. those uh, transfers is a preferred walk on, Jackson Filer. Mm-hmm. Another one was the backup quarter, uh, third string quarterback, Joe Labus. Marco mm-hmm. had ahead of him. Um, Antonio Thompson had not played; I don't think a snap on defense, at least not a significant snap on defense. Mm. He did have a couple of block punts. I'm not trying to <laughs> to uh, downplay the significance of guys leaving. Brennan Diaz Fernandez was buried mm. on the depth chart, had suffered some injuries, but it's not like Iowa was leaving, uh, losing mm. um, top rated skill position players or even guys in the trenches. They just have not.
6: Mm. No, coach. I want to get your opinion. Um, I've been watching some of these bowl games. They're using radios in the helmets. One on the offense and one on the defense. What do you think about that?
1: I think it's a good idea. It make things more difficult for Michigan, wouldn't it?
6: Yeah, that's true. Very true. I uh, have you I heard that, Corey.
0: I, I had—I mean, I had not heard that in bowl season, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, you figured that was happening, right, Don? Haven't we kind of assumed at some point that that would be the norm, right?
1: Well, the bowl season would be a good time. I'd be willing to bet you that it's not going to be allowed in the in the final four games. Mm. I'd be shocked if in in the NCAA playoffs, the final four. I'd be mm. very surprised if they were allowed to have um, headphones in the helmet.
6: I watched uh, what's that? Uh, I watched the Minnesota game. I got a comment on that, but you know They made a comment about the the, the speakers in the helmets. And also the Utah game, and they said. In the Kansas game, they said it again. So they're, they're, I guess, they're doing an experiment with the bowl games with those.
1: Right.
0: So. Yeah, yeah I was not aware of that, but mm-hmm. uh, what, what would be wrong with that, Don? Why, why is that even? I
1: think it actually makes sense.
0: Absolutely, especially it with it seems
1: one to happen. work pretty well in the NFL. So. Yeah. Logically, it might make good sense for college to do the same.
6: I think it's a great idea. I mean. I mean, it makes it'll take away a lot of cheating, and you know. So, um, have you guys heard about the new NCAA um, transfer rules?
0: The the multi-time transfer rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know the the uh, lingo or the bylaws of that. Other than mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for a, a two-time transfer now than it would have been three months
6: Just, ago. I tried. I went to the NCAA site to try to read up on it because I heard it on. On, on another page, another ESPN, and you must need a law degree to really read that stuff. I mean, right. so the break it down is a person can transfer this year. Basically, they can transfer all four years of their school, or five years, or well, four years if they don't take a redshirt year. They can transfer every year and not have to sit up. So...
0: But that's what I understand now. I could be wrong. Yeah, I got to read that more before we go down that. Mm-hmm. Route. I'm not saying you're wrong, Hawkeye like Howard, but mm-hmm. but I read a little bit up on that. I need to do more research before commenting. I've been so locked into the portal into this game. I, mm-hmm. I, that seems extreme. I, I can't imagine because then all it is then is it's just total chaos. Mm-hmm. Not that it already is not. But it's just a total free agency situation where guys are unrestricted free agents every single year. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. That's why would the NCAA make this worse than they already have? But anyway, no. I
6: saw some horrendous referees this last year, even in the bowl games. Don, I, is there something's got to be done? I mean, what can we do as? or anyone can do with these referees to, I mean, if some of the calls are not calls, Cooper's call, is there anything we can do or implement? Now I'm gonna go, um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I, Corey, I think a couple of years ago or a year ago, I said something about this. NASCAR has on their pit road, they have cameras everywhere. And they have a system where if there is a penalty, it acts make the, um if uh, alerts official, they look at it, and if it it seems to be a penalty, then for you know they, they they act appropriately. But I don't know what we can and can't do or there, but someone's got to do something because this is getting ridiculous with the referees, even in the bowl games. Some of Kansas was called 18 calls for 200 and
0: some odd yards for penalties. Well, some of that might just be, you can't just assume that's bad officiating. Some of that might just be bad coaching. (laughs) Younger guys are playing in the bowl games because of opt-outs, because of the portal, because of early draft entries. So, I don't I mean, you
6: know. No, I played in the
0: 80s and uh, I, you know, guys
6: play, let them play sometimes.
1: Here's one obvious problem with our officiating. The replay official, in my opinion, has too much power. Uh, And it should simply be this. The call is made, whatever the call might be. And then the replay official, for him to overturn the call, it has to be clearly the incorrect call. If in Mm -hmm. doubt, then the call on the field should stand. It really should be that simple. Mm-hmm. And in, the, in that scenario, of course, the punt return would have counted against Minnesota. That's what should have happened. Mm-hmm.
6: I agree. But yeah, the spread before that uh, the 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 quarterback opted out mm-hmm. it was in minus eight, and um, under and over it was thirty thirty five point five. But that's all changed now. Iowa will, so, will win. Iowa will, will win. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say this. Boy, I'm going to get in trouble for this. If Deacon Hill's in there, we're losing. Please. He's a turnover. <laughs> he's a turnover king. I like Deacon Hill. All
0: right. He's you a big like man well, like me. Yeah. So. Hey, we were just talking about Jason was asking that mm-hmm. if coach likes mayo and his cheeseburgers. Do you just do you think Deacon likes mayo and his cheeseburgers? Oh,
6: yeah. Yeah. So do
0: I he
6: put that mayo right on the ground on the top of that cheese. <laughs> so, you know, I'm 6'4", two, um, 280. And uh, so, um, but uh, I, I'm a big guy too. So I like Deacon Hill. I'd like to see that. But he is, doesn't have some of the, I don't know, it's just no, like that sense, that sense someone's coming up on him. So, but if Deacon Hill's playing, I don't think we're going to win. But I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm not fortune teller. So, but I think that's about all I have. Oh, Nico, that Nico, uh, the new quarterback coming in. Yep. Uh, he's from California. He was like number two, top player in that in the state.
0: So, how do you pronounce from... his last name, Don?
1: I wouldn't even want to attempt.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to. I am a I don't. I, I am a I don't know. I'm not, I'm not either. either. So I'd have a
1: chance to pronounce it if I could see it, but I don't yeah. have it in front of me, so I'm not sure.
0: Well, I'll, I'll throw it up right in front of you right here. Dino Chef from uh, Knoxville. He says, Hey, Corey Hawk fan living in Knoxville, wanting to know coach's thoughts on Nico. I am a uh, I, I think know. that's a good guess. True freshman quarterback starting for the balls on Monday. Uh, you kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, Don. But mm-hmm.
1: uh, Well, I would. I would um, I would make life difficult for him, even if I planned on running X amount of stunts. I'd run more pressure blitz against the freshman than I would against the veteran quarterback. It's not too late in the week to throw in a few more pressures. So I'd I'd come after
7: him oh, yeah.
1: I think he'll have a hard time being ready for all that. He's played. He's thrown 26 passes this year. That means he's probably taken 50 or 60 snaps. And uh, that's not a lot of preparation to go against a team like Iowa.
0: Well, Hawkeye Howard, uh, thank you for uh, being yes. here and for supporting the merchandise with yes. the uh, the trucker cap. Yes. Appreciate that. I'm back. Mm-hmm. And one uh,
6: more thing. One more thing. before I go. One more thing. before I go. P.J. Fleck knew how to change the quarterback with a one day one starter last game, and they won the game. Why can't Kurt do it? So well, they were playing bowling name.
0: green. They were that's playing true. bowling green, but <laughs> but yes, it's a fair point. And they were five and seven; should have been four and eight playing bowling green. And the kid but didn't bowling, look too bad. Bowling Green beat them two years ago. All right, Bowling Green beat them two years ago. So, Hawkeye Howard, uh, we'll talk with you yeah. uh, probably after the game on Monday. Okay. Well, see you later. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Hawkeye Howard down in Springfield. Missouri being a part of the show, do appreciate him. And um, before we get to our next caller, uh let's see here. So uh Bob brings this up, and I think Howard kind of summoned the whole line thing. Apparently, uh, Las Vegas has got Tennessee at seventy uh, percent chance of winning. ESPN's got Tennessee seventy percent chance of winning. BetGM's got them at seventy five point six percent. chance of winning, excuse me, and they are favored by six and a half. So that has apparently gone down. Am I overconfident when I, I'm sure you're going to say I am because I just kind of said verbatim, Iowa's going to win. I just feel really confident right now in what Iowa's got culturally compared to Tennessee in a game like this. You know, you look at the penalty stats, which we have not talked about yet. Tennessee is one of the worst teams in the country in all of FBS football in penalty yardage. Iowa's top five in least amount of penalty yardage. And I think in a game like this against this Iowa defense, a close game penalties could be the difference. I just have a lot of confidence in Iowa winning this one.
1: Let me just touch on the, the penalty aspect of it, Corey. Uh, in their 12 games, they average uh, 71 penalty yards, with their football team their opponent only averaged 40 yards per game so that's a differential on average of 31 yards a game that's a lot. That's a pretty significant differential now let's throw in the fact that they're playing us and we are notorious for not getting many flags is it hard to imagine the differential might be 50 yards or 60 yards on the game i think there, there's certainly a chance of that that's our goal is to play another clean game tennessee might have a few goals on their list but None of them involved not getting any flags because that's too much a a part of what they do. So the best they could hope for is to be flagged less than 70 yards a game. Uh, So my point is a 50-yard differential in penalty yardage is significant because I guarantee you some of those 50 penalty yards negated big plays. Plays had to come back because there was a penalty involved. And um, in that regard, the effect is much more than just 50 yards of field position.
0: Dino Chef is trying to help us pronounce this last name. The phonetic way of pronouncing it does not help me here. <laughs> How would you sound that out, Don? Well,
1: I'm just trying to figure out. I always think of an accent on one particular syllable. Which one? I, it makes I sense know. to me. It might be Imalieva. Imalieva. the second syllable. Imal. I think.
0: Okay that, that's that rolls off the tongue a little bit better. So that sounds that sounds Hispanic yeah. right? Yeah, it does. So at least the way you said it, Don, you, you, are, <laughs> you, are, you, are you well I can tell you're from you're from uh, the Southwest. I took after-
1: Spanish in high school and when I went to West Point, um, my brother gave me good advice. He was ahead of me. He said, when they ask you for a, a preference on language, uh, whatever you do, don't put down Spanish because they won't give you your first choice. So I put down Portuguese. And I ended up with Portuguese. So <laughs> which, which is a little bit like Spanish, so it was okay to learn Portuguese. The only thing I knew for sure is I didn't want to try Mandarin Chinese. That was one option too.
0: Are you saying that on purpose?
1: I'm saying if I was in Brazil, I would I would be able to impress people with my with my um grasp of the the Portuguese language.
0: Do you want to guess what language I took in in high school?
1: Uh, German.
0: You won't. I'm gonna get. You won't get it. You won't. I'll give you three guesses, and you won't get it. You've already yeah. gotten one guess. You're wrong when you say German.
1: And you took Latin.
0: No, that's wrong as well.
1: That was a good guess, though.
0: No, decent guess. You got one okay. more.
1: No, I'm good.
0: Mandarin Chinese. Did you really? Absolutely.
1: Is it, is it as difficult as people say? Yes. That's what I thought.
0: I didn't even begin to try to understand or I mean, we went through the process of learning the actual uh, Chinese writing, but just the, the pinyin, the actual, um, I don't know what you call that, but the, uh, the letters, the actual letters, what we recognize to be letters, alphabet writing of uh, Chinese is at least doable. And I can read it okay now because of my background, but I mean, as far as retention is concerned, I probably would have been better off learning Spanish, but uh, I did take some away. I've, I've been able to use it in a practical standpoint. A lot of Chinese population here in Ames, primarily because of the university, but uh, yeah. anyways, I, I digress. Let's get back to our phone line. We've got OS for Hawks on the on the line. OS for Hawks, welcome.
8: Good evening, gentlemen. You hear me all right? We got gotcha. you. I just wanted to say I haven't seen you guys since the season. Corey and Don, I hope you and your families had a great Christmas and I wish the same to everyone in the chat. Um, a couple things I wanted to bring up, um, not to bring up other podcasts, but I watched uh, Luke Lachey on on another podcast and they were talking about at about, um, various things. And I got the impression from that podcast. Um, there may be a chance that he is coming back. Now, that's just an impression. I'm not saying that he is or not, but the way that he was talking on that. And one of the things that he brought up was one of the reasons he came to Iowa was because of development. He said he picked Iowa specifically. Of course, he's playing tight end. But he came to Iowa because he knew Iowa developed players. And when he came out of high school, he was not, quote, unquote, the prototypical tight end. He had the height, but he did not have the weight. He was only like 185, 190 pounds. You know, he wasn't, you know, a 240-pound tight end, whatever. But he said he knew if he came to Iowa, they would do the development. And I just want to say that's one of the things I I love about um, the Hawkeyes. Because they do develop players, period. And I think that's a testament to the coaching staff. Um, the one other thing that I wanted to bring up was golf. Corey, uh, back in the day, I would have kicked your tail all over the golf course, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> first,
0: of all, first of all, I, I appreciate the I practice, just keep... But- You've never even seen me play. I mean, I've I've never seen you play. For all I know, you could have been Elmer Fudd out there.
8: Well, that's true, and and I don't I don't want to pat myself the back, but I I was I was I was single digit handicapper for most of my life, and that single digit handicapper was less than five. Let's just say that for eighteen holes. So you you'd get along with her, and I I I don't play anymore because I've developed a condition. And we'll get into it. I've got something called ankylosis spondylitis, and, and my back is messed up. I can't play golf, and, and I miss it terribly. But I just wanted to say, I love when you guys start talking about golf because it gets my juices going. Right. And uh, if you ever want any advice, I would love to give you some because I used to play and I used to play pretty good. I'm going to keep it in mind. Yeah. And basically, that's all I got. I just want to wish you guys uh Merry Christmas, happy holidays. And I love your show. And Coach Don, I love your perspective always. You you bring you bring the technical side, the the insight into the coach's side. And I think that's what makes this show so super. Anyway, you guys have a great holiday season. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I
1: greatly appreciate that.
8: Maybe he could have taught both of us
0: a, a thing or two about golf, Don. Exactly. I was going to tell the
1: joke. There was a guy that that actually was very well-known uh, as far as being a, a titan of industry, and he was trying to learn more about golf, and he went to a golf pro for lessons. And afterward, he asked the golf pro, he said, you got any last advice for me? And the golf pro didn't know how much money this guy was worth, so his parting advice was be sure to, be sure to buy cheap golf balls because the swing wasn't going to be worth buying expensive ones. So that might be the advice I would get if I took lessons from, from your caller. I don't know that he would have any advice for me other than buy cheap balls, because <laughs> it's not going to matter with my swing.
0: Well, I can tell you that um, uh, another friend of mine, who is I, I, I would consider him a friend, he, he's more than just a colleague, but uh, a guy who I know listens to this show and is very busy with his business himself. His name is uh, Kept. I think will be be okay with me mentioning this. I think he's got his uh, username up in the chat regularly. Kevin Downey is also a former, um, I think he's a former club pro, I think um, somewhere. And um, I've talked with Kevin on a number of occasions, not about golf, but I know he had the book. um, I just looked it up here because of that discussion, the art and science of breaking 90 a guide to modern golf strategy and equipment, Don. So, uh, uh, let me uh, just for everybody that wants to know this, I'm sure all 100A people want to uh, hear this conversation. Uh, let's just show the Amazon result. And by the way, uh, let me put a plug in for uh, my Amazon link. Uh, you can shop Amazon with us and you can buy the Kevin Downey book right here, Don, The Art of Breaking 90. I feel like this book was made for you, Don. Maybe it was made for both of us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've seen me play, Corey. I don't know. I don't even know that Kevin Downey can get me out of the, get me out of the rough.
0: Well, between OS for Hawks and and Kevin and Kyle, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Um, I was watching a a little, uh, just a segment with Scotty Scheffler and Tiger Woods today about hitting out of the bunker. And, you know, you just learn little things little by little. And, you know, the question is, can it translate to the the tea and into the bunker and to the green the next time you go out and the problem with living in Iowa, it's hard to, to kind of stay crisp during the wintertime. But, uh, I know the most avid of golfers would say, Hey, there's a, there's a will, there's a way. So anyways, we talk football in the cold months. Uh, let's go back to our call line. We've got, uh, Kyle, uh, Dupic on the line, Kyle, welcome. I, I, I don't normally refer to your last name, but I want, we were talking about Kyle, Spencer, our golfer, so I figured I would distinguish you. You're a baseball guy, and I know that. So <laughs> fair enough,
9: fair enough. Yep. <laughs> I uh, it's, it's been a while, and I, I wanted to I wanted to call in and talk quarterback throwing mechanics and uh, and practice training environments. I've been sitting on this one for a while because I first thought about it when Spencer Petrus was struggling, and um, one of the common refrains was just when the pocket broke down, he struggled and as a coach myself and different things I've researched, I had some general thoughts just based on some of his comments. And then, uh, and then you know, funny enough to keep it at the golf stuff, when you guys were breaking down mechanics, that one one day with Coach John and Corey and Kyle Spence, uh, breaking down Corey's, you know, one of the things I thought was really interesting, and this will show exactly why Coach John is so good um, at what he does and why he's such a good coach, is, is uh, he kept saying, I, I kind of want to know where the ball goes um, because mechanics are one thing, right? You can have the prettiest swing or the prettiest throw as a quarterback. or For me, the prettiest uh, mechanics as a pitcher, but um, if you don't get the outcome you want, it doesn't really matter. Um, right. And so um, all that's to say, uh, it kind of hit a, hit a little again this year when you guys were talking about deacons throwing mechanics, uh, maybe grooving it, et cetera. And, uh, and the idea that often comes up, I think, in the sports world is this idea of repeatability, that you want athletes to be repeatable. You want them to do the same thing over and over and over again. And on the surface, totally understand, um, you know, why, why people say that, right? Is because in general, most quarterbacks look like they throw the ball about the same. Um, that being said, um, now that we have all these really crazy cameras and we can put little dots on people's arms and we can see the exact angles, what we've started to understand is that um, even quarterbacks, not just from Deacon to Marco to anybody else in the Big Ten of the nation, but actually from quarterback throw to quarterback throw, there are no such thing as perfectly repeatable mechanics. Um, this is actually found out in like the 40s or 50s by this Russian guy named Nikolai Bernstein. He was... Um, he was tasked with studying like, uh, the Russian labor force and trying to figure out how to make it more efficient. And what he was uh, looking at was like, how were these master blacksmiths able to hit the same spot every single time? And so he kind of Jerry rigged something up to basically be able to see, and he took pictures. And what he found was that they had different paths, but every single time, but they would have the, the best result they would they would hit it and and basically it was the start of this idea of it's called fancy word ecological dynamics just the study of how people move and how um how it's a little bit different than book learning um because it's so fast and um i guess the the hopefully the the short of the long story is just simply that the con- the conditions are constantly changing there are no two quarterback throws that are the same on every field even if you're dropping back on a three-step drop to deliver a 10 yard out where you're at on the field, who's putting pressure, what direction the wind is going, um, how fatigued the quarterback is. Did he just get hit in the side and his rib is a little tight? Every single throw is slightly different. And so what that means as coaches and what we're starting to realize is it's actually really beneficial and helpful to create variability within practice. Um, Heard a stat on ESPN radio a few weeks ago. Patrick Mahomes is the only quarterback in the league who's better when he breaks pocket than on play-action pass, which makes absolutely no sense except that he's the best quarterback in the league and the best quarterbacks in the league do crazy stuff. And so basically there's this idea out there um, within this world of um, ecological dynamics that understands how people learn. It's, It's called repetition without repetition. Basically, can you repeat the same outcome without having to repeat the same mechanics? Um, uh, Don, you know Doug Flutie used to do this, right? Uh, Sidearm throw one here, jump pass another, overhand throw. Basically, can you get the same outcome? Um, that doesn't mean uh, one throw is going to be underhand and another is going to be a straight elbow. Um, of course, they, they look similar, but um, and so I bring this all all the way back to the Hawks. And one of the concerns that I have is sometimes when I hear the quarterbacks talk, what it sounds like is the training environment. So Spencer would always say things like, um. I just need to get back to the basics back to my three and five step drops and get the ball out on time. And I go, well, that's not how the game works, right? Like, cause at times the, 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 the pocket's going to break down and right. you're not going to be wearing a red Jersey and you got to figure out how to make a play. And so actually it would be helpful if the practice environment was more chaotic. Now, of course I'm not in the practice um, environment whatsoever. I don't know what they're doing, but given that the refrain has always been, well, this guy's really good in practice what did we hear about joey labus when he was on the scout team all we heard was how he was just making plays left and right Right. breaking tendencies right and then what tyler linderbaum say about him well once he gets up to the you know the big boys or whatever he'll have to figure out how to play within the system and uh and deacon what's deacon's problem is it too much variability or not enough uh uh, or uh, too much similar similarity i should say well I think it's too much similarity. Every single pass he throws is the same velocity. He doesn't understand how to put touch on one, how to bullet another, how to put loft. So it's just my long-winded way of saying sometimes I've been a little concerned with the development of the quarterbacks as I've grown in my understanding as a coach of how we train players because um, because when I hear quarterbacks talk or I hear, well, well, he's the best in practice, I go, well, of course he is. Practice is perfectly um, unchaotic. They don't feel the pressure at all, and so it's easier to perform, and so there's no reason to ever give somebody else a chance because they're they're performing in a very controlled environment, and then they get in the game, and they might not be as good, but but that's not what they're judging it based off of, if that
0: makes sense. But part of that, not to jump ahead of Coach Patterson, I just see the wheels turning with you, Don. Part of, I think, the problem with what I was doing or not doing is a simple fact that, well, I go back to – your old uh, mantra or slogan, Don, equal snaps against equal competition. Mm-hmm.
3: Right.
0: So is it a, is it possible to effectively evaluate quarterbacks in practice? Sure. <laughs> Programs are doing it everywhere, but Kyle, I think you're absolutely right. If you're going to kind of work in a different environment, which you can't perfectly replicate a game environment, you better simulate the t- type of competition that, player A, player B, player C is going to be going against, especially quarterback, most important position on the football field. And I heard some people, uh, when Joe Labus entered the portal, like, where were all these deep shots to Deontay Vines that we saw? Well, okay, he was throwing to Deontay Vines. Maybe there's a, a few snaps that he got as a one, but you're getting these little snapshots, these little clips right. out of dozens and dozens and dozens of examples. And unfortunately, the indications that we've gotten are that, Dozens and dozens and dozens of examples have come from the second string, the third string. They're not against equal competition. And we saw that in the spring last year. We saw it in the fall during the open uh, kids practice. Don, is that fair that there almost seems to be maybe a philosophical barrier with, uh, with how, how guys are evaluated as it relates to uh, playing time in practice? I lost you. Don, you got it? You got us?
1: I got, I got you now. Talk about
0: what? Just talk about your when 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 you were at Western Illinois when Coach Fry was was at Iowa. How did that differ from what we see now with uh, what it appears to be the? Uh, I don't know how snaps are apportioned during practice.
1: Well, first off, if if a quarterback, if a coach, any coach, doesn't matter who, if he says, this guy's a real mystery to me. 'Cause he practices really, really well and yet he disappoint disappoints us on game day. The first question I might have for them is would you consider making practice a little more game like? Because you're not rehearsing the game. That's part of your problem. The game is chaotic. And you better find out how he how he deals with the chaos of a real game. And maybe that means you have a live scrimmage, maybe it's one against one or two against two. But you, you try to give him more game like situations because then and only then will you have an idea of how he's going to react during the game. If practice is too easy, you're not doing a good job of preparing him for the game.
9: Amen. I, I just wish there was a little more creativity because um, I think that there's this thought that the um, and this is this is more of an older understanding of coaching. But as a coach, I have all the answers. And I will disseminate that information into your brain and sort of download it. And then that will allow you to then make a split-second decision because you have all the answers in your brain and you can recall in 0.02 seconds, right? That's not how the brain works. That's not how the body works. A coach's job is not to have all the answers and disseminate them like a textbook uh, classroom teacher would. A coach's job is to create an environment that is like the game or probably more challenging and so simple ways that I've thought as I've studied this more and more is like why not like when you're running drills and whatnot you know how uh when they do uh sometimes they do timeouts and the offensive line for the Hawks will stay on the field and then everybody else I kind of like that I I don't know if other teams do it but I just like it it's a Hawkeye thing but like in practice why not have the offensive line coach walk up there and go hey right tackle you're whiffing this time and the quarterback doesn't know, right? So what have you done? You've, you've created a game-like situation where now he's going to get pressure from his right side, but he doesn't know it's coming. And so he has to make that decision in practice. It's actually not that hard. You just got to be creative. You just got to get get out of this idea that somehow if I just practice enough three-step drops, I'll be really good. If, if somehow D can do, just practice enough perfect reps with throwing the ball, everything. No, no, no. His problem is, is, is that he needs to be more variable. Not less. And that starts with the coach being more of a chef, trying to create a a, a um, like a really a masterpiece in practice that challenges the guys and helps them um, fail and find solutions. Because in the game, they're gonna be presented with problems that they have to solve on the fly. And if and that's the thing that I always thought about Spencer is like the only thing Spencer could do is solve one problem. Perfect, clean pocket, three to five step drop. That's the problem he could solve. So, therefore, he wasn't a problem solver. So, ultimately, to me, the coach's job is to create problems for the athlete to solve so that then they can do that in the game without them because you're not out there solving problems for them. They are.
1: I'll give you an example, too, of a drill I came up with because part of the game is those snaps relating to a quarterback having to flush and leave the pocket. So, we practice flush drill all the time. I'll give you a simple example. And the quarterback never knew where the pressure was coming from. I was controlling that standing uh, behind him. So he couldn't, he couldn't know where the pressure was going to be, but he was going to drop back. He was going to have to look over the ball to get an indication of how many fingers are up in the air from the manager. He'd call out that number, which meant his eyes had to be forward, but you still got peripheral vision. You know, good quarterbacks have eyes in the back of their head. It seems almost, but at the very least, you know, the, Quarterbacks understand, uh, let's just imagine 12 o'clock is straight ahead. So 3 o'clock would be 90 degrees to the right. 9 o'clock would be 90 degrees to the left. So if you get pressure typically off the edge rushers, it would be pressure at 3, pressure at 9, pressure at 3.30, pressure at 8.30, maybe pressure at 4 and 8 even. But the bottom line, you get pressure off the edge, you got to climb in the pocket. And then from there, of course, you just deal with inside rushers. And then you simply slide into the right throwing lane to make your throw. Or, if need be, if you're really under duress, you pull the ball down and you move with it. If you can escape the pocket then, you have to understand what should be happening. Here's the quarterback drill that we came up with, a flush drill. It was really good. We gave him game situations. Let me just give you a couple of examples. One simple example. You get one more first down, then we – Well, if the quarterback breaks the pocket, what are you going to do as a receiver? you're no longer worried about making a big play down the field. You want to play simply to make a first down. If we make a first down, the game's over, right? So typically in those kind of flush situations, you're coming back toward the quarterback to be sure those defenders stay on your backside and with an awareness of where that first down marker is. The goal is to make a first down. You don't need to make a touchdown. You simply need to make a first down. That's every bit as good as making a touchdown. Another extreme scenario would be, what if you're down, down 10 late in the game? Well, now if you have in that same flush situation, now the receivers would understand and the quarterback would understand without looking, I'm breaking contain, I know this. Receivers are gonna do two things. They're gonna work in the direction that I'm running, but they're not gonna work parallel. They're not gonna work back toward the line of scrimmage. They're breaking down the field. And as I realize all that, I'm looking down the field because that's where they're gonna be. So you just put the players through those scenarios where both sides can know, both the wideouts and, for that matter, the tight ends and the quarterbacks, they'll know and they're, they're on the same page. I'll give you an example. Years ago, we were playing over at Ohio State. Chuck Long flushed out of the, out of the pocket toward our bench on the right side. But right before he went out of bounds, he threw the ball 50 yards downfield. It was caught by our tight end who couldn't outrun anyone, couldn't outrun anyone, but he was behind the entire Ohio State secondary because when a quarterback flushes, typically, DBs forget about receivers. They think about tackling the quarterback. Mm. And that's how a, a 5 flat tight end can get behind Ohio State secondary mm. for a 50-yard touchdown. But it all starts with the receivers and the quarterback being on the same page, knowing what the other person's doing.
9: Those are great examples. I love that. I'd say the last piece is just I think that there's this idea out there that that – well, you just need a guy who when the lights go on he's a gamer and i'm like i, I get what you're saying but uh, i'd contend that as a coach we build those people because mo- more often than not you'll find that the people who who did all the camps and did everything right and uh, i just remember years ago jory harrington was the number one overall pick had a rough first year as a starter and then the next year they did this really big story on him. And they were asking, Hey, so what's changed? Oh, I've just gotten really good at going through my reads in the off season. Right. So he'd back up and he'd show how he'd go through all of his reads. And then the lights went on. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like you can't go through a bunch of dry reads and watch a bunch of video. Like you have to be in the game. And a lot of times coaches actually get in the way, right? Like we make them too mechanical and we don't help them learn to solve problems. And yeah. so uh, my, my argument is simply that I think it's possible. Uh, I, I feel a little skeptical with some of the things I hear the quarterback say sometimes and, and the practice um, that, that we're doing that, but maybe with a new QB coach that'll change. But I do think that you can, you can build a quarterback that it's a learned skill that they learn over time how to deal with problems they see on the field as opposed to, oh, he just had it in his genes. I, I, I don't really know, man. Like, I, don't, I don't think somebody's born as like, a really good quarterback. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works.
1: I've always amused. I've seen video, and, Corey, you can give names if you like, video of a guy back east that trains quarterbacks. Uh, matter of fact, he's trained one or two of our quarterbacks, and he's really good at, at talking about what the quarterback's mental process is as he's taking him through his drops. The only problem, they're throwing against there. It doesn't mean much of anything. I I've seen so a lot true. of guys that, that throw well against there, but the game's an entirely different animal than yep. and throw it against there
0: so shall we pull up the film the uh the shot from peyton manning the peyton manning cap where or camp where uh spencer petrus threw a 60 yard bomb and you hear the guy in the background oh my gosh should yeah. we talk about that <laughs> what a throw by spencer just a dime
1: well you bring up a great point about mahomes it's amazing um, the receiver in the same location, and you put Mahomes in different situations from his, from his throwing position standpoint. He's able to throw with accuracy from all kinds of different arm angles, yeah, and it's it, really a gift to be able to do that. But it, I'm sure he would say one reason he's able to do it is because he practices doing it. It's,
9: it's true. It's true. Steph Curry was. Uh, they had a video of him pregame one time taking like 15 threes and around the corner and everyone's like, see, that's how you get better at basketball. And you go, and, and somebody interviewed him later and asked him about it. He goes, Oh, I actually never do that except for like right before the game. So I just feel like I'm in a little bit of a zone. I never take the same shot twice ever during practice ever on a single day. It's like, well, of course you don't. Steph Curry doesn't have one shot. He has 42,000 different shots and that's why he's the best scorer in the league, right? Because he can, he can solve the same problem, scoring the basket in multiple ways. Hold on a second. He's not the best scorer in the league. <laughs> I, I apologize. It's been a few years since I've actually looked at the NBA. Okay.
0: But... I'll forgive you, Kyle. I okay. was just going to mention, I'm a homer. Uh, it's Right now, it's halftime Mavs and Cavs. Luka Doncic has 29 points
3: just right.
0: put a Fair enough. on d book
9: i don't and- i actually really like steph curry it's just a good story to make to, to give my I illustration know. right
0: steph curry has generationally has changed the game you're right about that for sure so. yep. well appreciate it kyle thank you for calling the Thanks show The supporting, sir
1: great to talk to you kyle
0: all right appreciate that yeah i figured that would be a good opportunity to to uh to brag on my guy luca here he's uh uh, incredible. Um, yeah, he had fifty points on the twenty. Fifty points two nights ago in a win at Phoenix. He's got thirty points at the start of the third quarter, ten of eighteen from the field, along with five boards, <laughs> four assists, and the Mavs are up on the Cavs. They'll probably let the Cavs back in the game because that's typically what Dallas does, and then hopefully, like we saw against Phoenix, they'll uh, they'll close it out. Um, Kyle, the- well,
1: isn't it appropriate for you to brag just for a minute on Keegan Murray?
0: Oh, well, uh, <laughs>
1: 11 in a row from three.
0: I thought it was 12. Wasn't it 12?
1: I think, I think it was 11. Nobody's well, ever 11, done 12. Okay. He but
0: had he made,
1: 12 for 15 for the game. I
0: think made 11 in a row. Incredible. And, um, Kyle in the, the uh, private chat says, uh, Joel Embiid is averaging 35, a game averaging 30 minutes a game standing at the free throw line. I don't watch the 76ers. Not because I have anything against Joel Embiid, but I will say he, uh, he's a unique guy. Um, I don't love that style of basketball. I mean, I, I, not that, not that I don't like a guy like Joker, Jokic or even Luca Garza. If he's going to make it in the NBA, he's going to have to be able to, to be more inside out. You don't see the traditional big men surviving at the NBA level anymore. That's probably why Zach Yaddy won't probably ever play in the NBA level, at least not consistently. But, uh, I do enjoy watching the, uh, Pick-and-roll game with Luka Doncic and Derek Lively and those guys down uh, in Dallas. Anyways, uh, before we get to our next caller, we got a number of people still waiting on hold to talk to uh, probably Don, uh, not me. But uh, we'll get to those callers um, in just a second. But first, we want to give a, sp- a special shout-out to our sponsor. Uh, this episode of Hawkeye Hangout is brought to you by Ascent Nutrition and Ascent has been with us for a long, long time, and they've got this new Agaricon mushroom powder that I've talked about in the past. This powder specifically has a really interesting backstory. It was researched by the Department of Defense's BioDefense BioShield program, and it's been shown to support strong biological activity, including strong respiratory health, lung health, immune system benefit, and neurological health. You can read all about the awesome benefits of this product and certainly give it a try. Uh, And you'll get a 15% discount for doing it through this show. And all of these mushroom powders, I'll talk a little bit about the lion's mane mushroom as well. All of these powders can be mixed into yogurts, juices, smoothies. um, Pretty easy to take. And um, you can, again, save 15% by using the code HAWKEYES. Use the code HAWKEYES for 15% off your order. The lion's mane mushroom has been shown to support brain health, memory, stress response, immune system health in general. And all these products can be mixed with the algae oil DHA, humic and fulvic acid products, which I know a lot of people take regularly as part of their daily routine, even for their pets. It's safe for your pets. Go to GoAscentNutrition.com to discover how you can start your ascent today and your ascent to better health and a better lifestyle, courtesy of Lance Shuttler and his company, his awesome company, Ascent Nutrition. And Lance is an Iowa graduate. All right, uh, we are back here talking Iowa football, at least for the next, uh, I'm assuming, 15 to 20 minutes. We've got a couple callers here still waiting, including Kyle. But first, we've got
10: <laughs> Corey. welcome to the oh, show. Corey, Don, how you guys doing
0: tonight? Hey, Corey. Good, man, how are you?
10: Good, good. I'm feeling good. Good news all around. Jay's coming back next year. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I see the hawk, hawk, hawk bit in your name there. Your, yeah, your- I, I, you're- I
10: uh I made my way over to uh, what is it X now, Twitter? But uh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I saw all that on 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 Twitter today, and I saw Nick coming back, and I was like, "Well, good. That'll help out our linebacker room for experience next year." Are
0: you telling me you just joined Twitter? Is that what you're just? No, saying? no, 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 oh, okay. no. Okay. No. Okay. No,
10: I just happened to see it on there. I don't go on there much, but I happened to see it on there, and uh, his dad cracks me up. I I think I follow him or something. So
0: he is a. a- <laughs> a bounty of energy i'll say that no question yeah,
10: he, yeah he's he's a character he's a character uh no i'm excited for the excited for the game excited for the opportunity hopefully um i mean i'm not too optimistic but i hope to see some younger talent out there and kind of see what's coming up as far as you know just see who we have <laughs> coming around the corner you know it's nice to see some of the young guys get their chance um you know, at the same time, though, I don't know if I see Kirk going super crazy. The yeah, players, I would
0: say but, this. Uh, how do I put this? The only downside, if you want to consider it a downside, Don, of yeah. the strong culture that keeps players invested and, and keeps players engaged and locked into their careers and not wanting to jump in the portal, not wanting to opt out of the bowl game or or leave for the draft, especially early. The only downside of that in a situation like this is because of the fact that that's combined with Kirk Ferentz's philosophy and his, I don't want to say um, erroneous value on this on bowl games. But a lot of people look at these games and say they're just not as important as they used to be. I don't think that's how Kirk looks at these games at all. I think his opportunity he looks at this as an opportunity to get 11 wins. So the problem with not having guys opting out and leaving is you're not being forced to play younger guys. And since yeah. Kirk is not likely to do that anyways, you're not getting to see these young guys. At least with Tennessee, the upside of the situation. What is the upside, <laughs> Brian? I'll tell you the upside, Corey. The upside is they get to see a young quarterback, um, this Nico kid, along with some young tailbacks, some young DBs. I mean, it, in all reality, there is the it's other a, side it's of-
10: a It's a test pilot to, you know. Sure it is. Yeah. It's to, to see what... Uh, see what you have in a uh, live scenario, in a live
0: game, in-game scenario. Yeah. Which no, I absolutely agree, Don. Would you echo the same thing?
1: Yeah. You know, here's a good way to look at it. Just for the sake of argument, what if Dicken goes down in the first series of downs and now our young freshman has to go in and play? At that point, which quarterback has the advantage, the one that's already played in four games this year as a true freshman or the one that's taking his first snap?
10: Yeah.
1: A, excuse me, a wise move to get that young man some experience, even if it's only four games.
10: Yeah, exactly. It's any any little bit helps. Those in game reps, I think, are irreplaceable. <laughs> and I yeah, I I mean, even if you just gave Marco one series, just one series, just to see what he's got, you know.
0: And yep. if he impresses I mean, you, looking, it should have been done a time ago.
10: I it. I, I admire the um, the loyalty, Kirk. I love Kirk to death, but sometimes, you know, beating the hammer over, you know, and over and over again with the same nail.
0: <laughs> oh, oh not, I thought you'd be beating yourself with a hammer. I'm sorry. Oh,
10: well, yeah, you could do that too, you know, if you're watching it on TV.
0: <laughs> sometimes I feel like you're beating yourself with a hammer with.
10: Uh when you watch that offense, I mean, occasionally, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a defensive guy, so I like watching the defense. I'm actually, I'm usually watching Kirk. the games for the defense, but yeah, that's just that's yeah. what I'm. Kirk would,
0: li- I mean. Kirk would like you, Corey.
10: I, I think I would like Kirk. I think Kirk's a good guy. As far as a coach, that's another debate. But
0: oh, he's a, well, he's an excellent coach and he's an excellent uh, human being. But you oh know. yeah,
10: no, he's you know like, if we're comparing. <laughs> coaches and human beings I think he's a far superior I think he's a great human being I I think he's an all-timer you
0: know he's a better human being than any of us here
10: yeah Yeah. no I think that's what I'm saying like
0: (laughs) I'm just giving you I'm just giving you our time I'm sure no he is in all reality Don you've I know people get tired of us talking about that because they want to hear football breakdown but Kirk is an excellent human being there's no any criticism that we ever that I ever have for Kirk has nothing to do with him as a person
10: and i He's think if you good. want to get it i think there's no better guy to get a um, a team up for a bowl game more than kirk agree i think th- I think it's gonna be a great game i think these guys are gonna show up and i think that's gonna be a killer game for him and i think it still means something if your co- head coach is kirk ferentz yeah and i think there's some value to that
0: i agree oh, yeah. i absolutely agree
1: you know i've, I've quoted jim trussell before but i'll do it again jim trussell once said they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And believe me, the Iowa players know how much Kirk cares.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: That's yeah, part that's, of their strength is awesome. they know.
10: Yeah. No, it's – yeah, exactly, guys. No, I appreciate it. I just wanted to stop on and say hi to you guys. You know, say how are you doing. Check in.
0: Appreciate that, Corey. And uh, don't yeah. be a stranger. We'll talk to you probably. If we don't talk to you after basketball uh, in a couple of days. We'll talk to you after the bowl game.
10: I say I am going to uh, I'm taking my mom to the uh, women's game on Saturday. So good for you. Yeah, well,
0: have a good time and uh, enjoy the packed house. It will be. It'll be raucous.
10: Oh, it'll be fun. You guys have a good one. All right.
0: Thank you, sir. Thanks, Corey. Uh, Lomansky, appreciate the super chat. Lomansky, do appreciate the don- donation and the comment. Charlie Chan once yeah. said to young grasshopper yeah. and Coach Don, "Go Hawks." <laughs> Appreciate the uh, super chat, Lomansky. Do do appreciate, value that. Uh, Cole says, is Dejean coming back? Cole, of course, is a Nebraska fan. He has not yet made that announcement, Cole. But um, as I've said, people uh, should be awaiting that because, uh, yeah, for those that think it's that obvious that he's leaving, uh, <coughs> what's the decision? Just wait for the decision. I know we can speculate to death. Uh, one last Parlay says, Don, who would be your top five for the new OC? Do you have a top five, Don?
1: I haven't given it that much thought. If I were in Kirk's shoes, uh, I would I would not spend a lot of time right now thinking about the top five, but I would have somebody on on my staff. and Obviously, there are a lot of office workers that could do this. I would simply ask him, I want you to go out and look at – just for the sake of argument, to pull a number out of a hat, the top 50 scoring offenses in college football. And then I would simply ask that person, if these if these teams clearly belong in that top 50, then eliminate them. A simple example. Okay, LSU's in the top 50. Well, so what? LSU would be in the top 50 if there was a, a rhinoceros as the offensive coordinator. You know, any, anybody... You know, maybe not a rhinoceros, but a baboon could call plays. How's that?
0: Oh, okay. That's uh, less offensive. Baboon is less offensive than rhinoceros.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, my point is if they belong in the top 50 in total offense because of their personnel, then we cannot assign a lot of value to the coordinator. Maybe he's not, maybe he's good, maybe he's not that good. But what about the ones that defy the odds? And I'll give you a simple example Bump Elliott hired Aiden Fry. Because when Bump Elliott was uh, the head coach at Michigan, he had a hard time beating SMU coached by Hayden Fry. And he never forgot that. And when he's looking for a head coach, he wanted somebody that would get more out, more mileage out of their players than anyone could expect. And those are the coaches or the offensive coordinators that we should be looking at. Some of them probably wouldn't be very well known even. But that's the point of being a great Doing a great job of picking your coaches, Coach Fur always said, "You know, if I had one skill in my life, it might be picking the right assistant coaches." He said that, and I like to believe that he's truthful with what he says. Uh, His coaching tree would suggest that he did do a good job. I did do a good job of picking coaches. We certainly had a lot of outstanding coaches on our staff, and Hayden was smart enough to hire them.
0: Kerry Lewis says, "We love Coach Patterson."
1: Thank you, Kerry. i love you back.
0: Uh, Big Bolivar. Don is the best. So uh, people are happy about Don Patterson tonight. As it relates to the uh, offensive coordinator position, OS for Hawks has a question. Does Iowa have a chance at Ryan Grubb? Um, Of course, uh, he's got Iowa ties, Buena Vista up in Storm Lake. Uh, So I don't think so, first of all. Um, I I will say he is a name that's been tossed out there primarily because of what Washington has done this year. I just have to think being a reasonable, trying to be a reasonable objective, uh, having an uh, objective opinion on the situation and on the job, that Ryan Grubb would have power five opportunities at other places, given how electric that offense has been. Now, I could be wrong on that. But uh, even if Iowa were somehow able to assure him, hey, Kirk is leaving in a couple of years, or if Kirk says, hey, I'm leaving two or three years, the administration would be would love to have you here as you know, the head coach in waiting, is Ryan Grubb wanting to wait around for maybe three more years when he could most certainly, even with even if he doesn't have opportunities right now, if he does that again next year at Washington, and it'll be a lot tougher to do it in the Big Ten next year, but if he puts out a great offense next year for the Huskies, he'll most certainly have power five opportunities, maybe high major power five opportunities. So that would be my two cents. And I know you don't know Ryan Grubb personally, but he has done impressive stuff out there.
1: Can you tell me this, Corey? I would like to believe, at the very least, we at least reached out to Ryan Grubb to see what his level of interest might be. Can you tell me that we've done that?
0: I can't tell you that, that they've done that. I don't know that. No.
1: If I, we I, haven't I, already, I wish we would. I agree. Because nothing venture, nothing gained. Let's find out uh, if he has an interest.
0: Uh, yes. Thank you. Yeah, Absolutely. Just like when Caleb Williams entered the portal and people are going to laugh at that. But remember when Wisconsin was making a push. <laughs> let me let me push the microphone back a little bit because I'm going to start yelling if I'm not careful. Wisconsin coached by Paul Christ, a guy who Iowa fans are, you know, he is considered by many to be the front runner for this job. That is not official from Iowa or from Kirk, but. He is most certainly a candidate. I can tell you that for a certainty. Paul Crist is a candidate. Paul Crist went after Caleb Williams. Think about that for a second, Don. Paul Crist went after Caleb Williams. I mean, how many times can I repeat that? Caleb Williams just won the Heisman. And Wisconsin, lowly little Wisconsin. And yet, now he didn't go to Wisconsin, but it's been widely publicized that he was, Wisconsin was in his top two. So the approach that you take with the portal and with players that I think Iowa should take with players in the portal should be exactly what you just said with the coaching staff. I'd be calling anybody and everybody. Um, Heck I'd call, you know who I'd call? I'd call Drew Brees, Don. I'd call Drew Brees, Drew Brees. uh, I don't know if, if, if he's cut out to be an OC right now, but he filled in as an interim offensive coach with Purdue during bowl season. Last year, he said at the time, I remember him saying that he was not interested in being a coach, but you know what? With some of the things he overcame in his career, his numbers, his expertise as a passer, his ability to overcome lack of size. Um, you know, he, he's a Big Ten guy. Like, there's those are the types of people I'd be like, hey, you know what? I'm the longest tenured coach in the country. I'm, my name is Kirk Ferrance. I'm the Dean of College Football. I'm going to call anybody and everybody, and I'm going to start making a list.
1: And is it hard to imagine that Drew Brees might welcome that kind of challenge? He's been defying the odds ever since he was in high school.
0: Right. You know, I just threw that name out there. That's just one name. Like he's a guy that, you know, probably doesn't want to probably doesn't want to come to Iowa and coach. If he wanted to go somewhere, Purdue would probably have him. I don't know that they have their offensive coordinator position is not open right now. But you get my point. Like he is a big enough name as a player that he could probably climb the ladder uh, quite easily anywhere he goes.
1: Let me throw this out to you, realizing that Kirk has a relationship with. The coach of the New England Patriots, which means he must have at least a little bit of uh, a conversation through the years with a guy named Tom Brady. What would be wrong with us just asking Tom Brady, would you ever consider coaching college football?
0: Coming just, out of co- Coming out of Coach Patterson's mouth, not mine.
1: <laughs> just asking. Just asking. That's all. Sure.
0: What's wrong with that? What's yeah. wrong with that? I mean, I, I just, I don't get it. But anyways, um, Jason says, uh, how about we ask Seth Wallace and Phil Parker, their opinions, uh, whose offense have you had a heck of a time stopping? That's a, not a it's bad a way point. At
1: it. It's a good point. Maybe it didn't even happen while they were coaching at Iowa, but maybe they're able to say, uh, maybe Phil's able to say, you know, when I was coaching in the Mac, we had a hell of a time ever figuring out how to defend this particular coach's offense. And it, if he was in the MAC 10 years ago or 15 years ago, or I guess it'd be longer than that. Phil's been in, at Iowa a long time. It would be an old school coach, but you get the point. Is there anything wrong with asking Phil? Is there a team out there that you've honestly said, I hope we don't play them in a bowl game, because I'm not sure how we could defend them. Uh,
0: let me just say this to Brandon. I, I understand where you're coming from. He comments, Ryan Grubb runs a totally different offense and not a fit for Iowa. And I respect your opinion. That is your opinion. That's fine. The Iowa offense is a train wreck. Okay?
1: And, Brandon, you're not giving Ryan enough credit because great coaches can adjust their offense to fit the personnel they have. I'm pretty sure that this guy at, at Washington can do that too. Yeah.
0: it's it's At least those are the types of names that I'm – again, how hard is it to make a call given? Use the power that you have as Kirk Ferentz. To your advantage in a situation like this, as it relates to the hiring process, and I can tell you, I've said this before on this show, people have reached out to Kirk. Big name people have reached out to Kirk. That I can tell you. And as I said yesterday, no, I'm not talking about Paul Chris, Joe Philbin, Joe Lud, not Joe Ludwig. That's his son who played at Iowa as a fullback, Uh, Andy Ludwig. And I'm not talking about Drew Tate and Chuck Long, and you know, I'm not talking about any of those guys. So don't forget Tom Brady. And on am talking about Tom Brady or Drew Brees. <laughs> okay. So anyways, um, you know, we'll see. But Kirk is going to have some decisions to make uh, once we hit January. Um, our user here uh, says, hopefully we can lock out to that freshman five-star quarterback. Fingers crossed, but got hope. Good test for the defense and some young players. Of course, Cooper DeGene is out. So we'll see a heavy dose of Deshaun Lee. And uh, he'll have a challenge on his hands. It sounds like the Iowa players did not see this coming based on some tweets that I saw earlier today. Uh, Erica with the super chat. Thank you, Erica. Who was the, she says, uh, Corey. uh Oh, she says, who was the coach that called Kirk and offered his services and Kirk turned him down. Wasn't he from North Dakota? Can't remember who it was. Okay. I thought you were going to ask a different question. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I've talked about that on this show. Uh, that was when Brian was elevated to quarterbacks coach. Um, It was Randy Hedberg that had shown some interest, the passing game coordinator up at North Dakota. Excuse me, North Dakota State. North Dakota State, passing game up at North Dakota State. You know, should he be in the conversation for a role moving forward? Sure. The the guys have expressed interest in the past in the job through, I believe. Go ahead, Don.
1: This is a good time for you to mention the latest on Eastern Stick.
0: Thank you very much. Randy Hedberg, who we have, I've touted on this very show, I can tell you with 100% confidence, Randy Hedberg reached out to Iowa, and I believe did so through maybe his head coach who had a relationship with Iowa. They reached out, inquired about the quarterback coaching job two years ago prior to Brian being promoted. Randy, uh, his team, his club was told that Brian was going to be the quarterback's coach. And so basically, was turned down without even an interview, without even a phone call. So I guess my point in bringing that up is you brought up Easton Stick, who's been filling in for Justin Herbert down with the Chargers. Easton Stick is a Randy Hedberg prodigy. Uh, Carson Wentz was coached by Randy Hedberg. Um, Trey Lance was coached by Randy Hedberg. This is an FCS program. And a couple of those guys, you're talking a two-star guy, a three-star guy, and a zero star guy. All those guys ended up being NFL quarterbacks who have played in the league. Carson Wentz is a Super Bowl champion. Easton stick is starting right now. That's the type of guy like, yes, he's older. So what? Not saying he needs to be the offensive coordinator. Two years ago, he would have been the perfect choice for quarterbacks coach, in my opinion in my opinion. And perhaps that would have saved Brian Ferentz's job because he could have coached, coached the passing game and Brian coaches the run game. That's you know something we've speculated on in the past. But anyways, that's who you're talking about, Erica. He is still in the market. And by the way, his his head coach just went down to USC to be the linebackers coach. So Tim Polisek just got hired up there. I don't know what Randy's future is. Have you heard anything about the coaching staff with Tim Polisek now, Don?
1: I have not. Of course, um, he, and, he and Tim have have a background together from his coaching days at North Dakota State, too. They know each other well. I'm assuming that nothing will change. They'll be working right there within North Dakota State.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great conversation, folks, and I I love having these conversations. Um, But, uh, Mike, you you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Trey Lance might be one of the biggest busts of the last 10 years. Uh, First of all, A, you don't know what you're talking about in the sense that uh, he's still in the league. He hasn't busted. B, um, he's had guys in front. He had guys in front of him down in uh, San Francisco, and C. We're talking about a guy who was what a first round draft pick. I don't care what he's done at the NFL level. He was developed and regarded by scouts to be a first round pick. Okay, when's the last time Iowa football has had a first round uh, skill position player minus tight end? Um, and we're talking about the quarterback position. So. That's a stupid comment to make, Mike. You're you're not stupid. That's a stupid comment to make when we're talking about development at quarterback. Um, I don't know why you threw that in there, but uh, anyways, uh, let's go to our next caller. We've got Kyle on hold. Kyle, am I too hard on Mike?
11: No, I I think Mike might be forgetting that Trey Lance also snapped his ankle in
0: a game about a year and a half ago. <laughs> like the, the, they just because he busted out like. Jamarcus Russell was a great college quarterback, wasn't he, Don? You, you were coaching back yeah. when Jamarcus Russell was around. He was the biggest bust, maybe, of all time at that position. But he, yeah. he yeah. like he's still he was still a first round draft, overall first pick because of what he did. The development that he made. Now, if he went to the league, and I don't know if it was, you know, there's talk about him not working hard enough or in his weight, whatever. Trey Lance has been hurt. Who knows what's happened once he's out of Randy Hedberg's hands and the North Dakota State uh, their staff's hands, it's off their their hands. But anyways, go ahead, Kyle.
11: Yeah, well I was the first thing I was gonna say is uh good to have you back, Coach Don. We've uh feels like it's been a while even though it hasn't been that long. But uh I think that conversation with Kyle, I I DM'd with uh Kyle uh was it Kyle Dupik uh that you had on about a half an hour ago there and he um he DM'd me and we talked about some of the analytical stuff but uh, I think that conversation just perfectly sums up coach Don's value to the show cuz you're so uh you're so naturally an- analytical that you make us all you bring the other anal- analytical football fans in and make us uh <laughs> look into this stuff a little bit more so thank you for that. Um I think uh I think that was really interesting uh <laughs> I'm I'm curious to just to add on to that before we move on to other stuff if Deacon, because we've been told, right, last year especially, uh, that Spencer was a slam dunk starter pretty much the whole year. Um, and he did get replaced um in 2021. Um, but hasn't been a whole lot of like questioning who's gonna be the starter week to week, right? Fans have asked questions, but the coaching staff is not.
0: Who got so, real quick? Who got replaced in twenty twenty one?
11: Petrus what was but was that was that injury was that injury against
0: he never got got replaced because of performance in 21 he was was it was only the injury he he was he was knocked out of the Wisconsin game Kirk was quick to bring up the fact that it was an injury related then he tried to give it a go against Northwestern Padilla comes in for him all that was injury related he was never taken out due to performance
11: yeah okay so if he and, and, and Deacon's been, you know, the second half of the season here, Deacon's been shaky at times. And, you know, there's also not been, it appears at least, there hasn't been a whole lot of internal um, questioning as to who's going to be the starter week to week. Um, so if they, and, and, and practice is always referenced in these conversations is, you know, they look so good in practice. We've been over it a million times. Um, if, what I mean, what do you think if if Deacon Hill and Spencer Petrus, with that offense played against the Iowa defense in a real Big Ten game, what do you think their stat lines, their finishing stat lines would be like for a 60-minute game? If the Iowa defense was playing them like it was a Big Ten conference game, 100% full steam. I mean, would, would they even throw for 100 yards or 150 yards? I was going to
1: suggest we'd have nothing but double-digit total offense. I don't think yeah. we break a
0: hundred yards. Remember, oh, remember yeah. when I told you remember what I told you a year ago, Don? I think it was it was prior to the start of the season, might have been like two weeks prior to the season, there was like a closed scrimmage. I don't remember I, I don't know what that is that they do, but they had a, a closed scrimmage. And I was told prior to that was actually I'm sorry, that was prior to the twenty yeah, that was twenty two. Prior to last season, prior to twenty twenty two, and I believe the first team offense went up against the first team defense. And the entire day, the first team offense got two first downs.
2: <coughs>
0: I'm serious. That's a legitimate. That was an entire scrimmage and entire the offense got two first downs. And I remember saying, like, I, like when I heard that first, I thought, uh oh, and then I thought to myself, that can't be that got to be inaccurate information. But the source that told me has, has been right on all these other things. And then, like, the first game of the season, what was the first game of the 2022 season?
1: Oh yeah. right you I we mean had, we had seven points, but it was two safeties and a field goal, as I recall.
0: It was yes. one of the most unbelievable. There's still a YouTube video up. Um, is it PCK highlights or whoever does these different highlight uh, channels uh making fun of that game? And Iowa won the game, don't get me wrong, but that is going to go down that game as well. I remember you're Don, you were in the stadium. How early was the fan base booing? first game of the season and the yeah. fans are booing i mean i i'd never experienced anything like it and i was home for that game but i just incredible
1: well the one thing i was confident of is the fans were going to be impressed with fcs football at the end of the day because that's how good south dakota state is
0: yep but it, it, again it wasn't just a it was not a south dakota state problem because then we saw it week two against iowa state and moving forward right. the, of the year <laughs> anyways go ahead kyle well, I was
11: just gonna say, like, it, it, we all know what would happen if that if that hypothetical matchup, like you're talking about in that scrimmage, happened in a real game. So, my my question number one is: if they look so good in practice against the Iowa defense that they're slam dunk starters, what is wrong with practice? Because there's no way that they're going up against the first team defense, and they're looking good enough that even if there's bias towards a certain player, like. If, if you threw for 100 yards or 75 yards in a game and two interceptions, like I don't care how much you like that quarterback, like you can't say that they're a slam dunk starter week to week. And I don't think Kirk would say that. So it, it blows my mind on the one hand how they can be talked about as good enough in practice, both of them, Deacon and Spencer, to be slam dunk starters. And then also on the flip side to it, I think it's equally incredible how good the Iowa defense is, despite practicing against the Iowa offense.
0: (laughs) Don, your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I was just flashing back on a playoff game involving North Dakota State just a couple of weeks ago. Some of our viewers, our listeners for sure saw it. It was North Dakota State at Montana in the semifinals. And, and, Lisa and I watched the game, and she made the comment. She said, that game was a lot of fun to watch. And the reason she said that is because both teams had a lot lot of imagination to their offense, a lot of misdirection to their offense. One of those teams, North Dakota State, of course, had Randy Hedberg on offense. Now, I don't know that Randy deserves – he certainly doesn't deserve all the credit for those good game planning that they did and getting ready for Montana. Incidentally, they lost in double overtime – But truthfully, both offenses look really good against outstanding defense. Uh, But I couldn't help but be impressed with the North Dakota State offense, especially because I know that Randy Hedberg had something to do with that game plan and something to do with the outstanding execution since he was coaching the QBs.
0: And by the way, real quick, not to rip on Mike again, but he's doubling down, so I'm going to double down on my rippage. Mike says, Lance was analyzed at North Dakota State for how many games? Pretty small sample size. Mike, Trey Lance, these are his offers coming out of high school. He had offers from North Dakota State, Boise State, Brown, Cornell, South Dakota State, and Northern Illinois. How the crap, bro, do you think he got to be a first-round pick if he was not either A, identified by that staff, and B, uh, developed, and then evaluated by scouts? Like That's just a stupid comment to make, bro
1: i'm sorry i think if we go back and look how many times did their season end with another national championship so there were all those extra playoff games against good opponents too
0: anyways i love you mike i that's i feel a little bit more comfortable ripping into you because uh, you're a good guy and uh you know it's nothing personal but dumb comment anyways kyle go ahead
11: uh yeah no i was just gonna say my my i watched um i watched san francisco play against baltimore um with my dad and my dad said the same thing He's cause he, he never watches anything except for Iowa football. He's, he's from Ireland. So he's not a, he wasn't a big football guy until he came to Iowa and Iowa football was kind of the the big deal in Iowa city. So he learned football through that, but he watched, he watched Baltimore and San Francisco play. And he was like, this is a different sport. (laughs) I don't know what I'm watching. Like he, he thought it was the most exciting thing in the world. And I'm like, and I granted that's the NFL, but you know, it's just, I mean, it's just the reality of, of, uh, of, of our situation. But um, another thing I'd like to ask uh, coach Don is obviously we've talked about all the holdouts for Tennessee in the ball game. What does bowl preparation look like for a team that number one, I mean, they play in the sec, they play a completely different style of football to what I was used to. And number two, they're missing so many players that you really don't have a lot of tape on most of their offensive guys and, and defensive guys, to be fair, but especially on preparing for Tennessee's offense. Cause that's when we think Tennessee, we think great offense right now, at least um, what does bowl preparation look like for a team that plays a completely different style from you. And also you have no tape on a lot of their players.
1: Yeah, that's um that's a challenge. And since you brought it up, let me mention this. One of the things that Tennessee, even years ago when we played them back in the 82 Peach Bowl, they had a guy named Willie Galt that was a world-class hurdler, uh, and he was one of the fastest guys playing college football. Hayden wisely said, we had a punter by the name of Reggie Roby, and he said, you know what, Reggie, I want all your punts to go just off the field because I don't want Willie Galt to return a single punt. We won the game in part because Willie Galt never fielded a punt. Uh, Richie did a great job of punting the ball barely off the field. Uh, and and um, that team was based on big play offense. And this team is based a lot on big play offense. I know the numbers because I, doing analytics in preparation for the game, I, I looked at 10 Iowa games. That would be the nine rated conference games plus Michigan. And then I took the 10 best games from Tennessee. That would be their eight conference games plus nine conference. They're two. Most difficult non conference games that happened to be Virginia and um, Texas San Antonio. It means I threw out um, an FCS game, I can't recall who it was, and I threw out a 59 to 3 beatdown against Yukon. So I had 10 games of each. Here's what impressed me in those 10 games, Tennessee had a total of 22 not explosive plays. 22 super explosive plays. I remind you, explosive is 20 yards or more. Super explosive is 30 yards or more. 22 plays that were 30 yards or more in those 10 games. Let me go one step further, Kyle. 17 of those 22 plays were 40 yards or more. So <laughs> that'll give you something to think about. It's going to be it's going to be a real challenge to eliminate explosive and super explosive plays. It'll be, I think probably of the toughest challenge we'll have all season because Tennessee does a good job of getting the ball in the open space, and, of course, they have guys with some speed that have an idea what to do with it. The good news, the star running back is out. Uh, he's got breakaway speed. Uh, I think one of their top receivers is out. Uh, he's got home run speed. But they still have other players, of course, that can, that can gash it too. So that'll be our challenge. And, of course, what gives us a chance to do it is the fact that we played all night against Penn State without giving up an explosive play. We played all night against Michigan without giving up an explosive play. To suggest we're going to shut out Tennessee on explosive plays is kind of hard to imagine, but we're going to try. And I think we have a better chance of doing it than maybe anyone in college football. Uh, So that'll be part of the fun of the game is to see if we can eliminate big plays on the part of Tennessee
11: yeah and in your experience too with the analytics maybe you can speak to this as well we get a lot of these kind of in the past they were even like Pac-12 Big Ten games or Big Ten SEC games where you have these contrasting styles and you have one kind of grit and grind team and one kind of air it out throw it all over the park team do you have any analytics or even just from personal experience about which one of those styles tends to win out more often in bowl games
1: well I think Matters a little bit what the weather conditions are. Obviously, the adverse weather would favor the grounded out team. Um, I think part of the problem in preparation for one of those finesse teams, if you will, is that you simply don't have the personnel to impersonate them very much, very well <laughs> at
2: all.
11: <So laughs> you what, don't think I was impersonating Tennessee?
1: <laughs> that's a problem. And and what what you end up with, and rather, instead of having a traditional scout team, maybe you have no choice but to take. <laughs> excuse me, take some of, (laughs) take some of your best, most explosive players, even if they are in the starting lineup or in the, in the second team unit and put them up against our best defensive players simply to give them a better picture of what the game is going to be like. I wouldn't, I would imagine we've done some of that already and we'll probably do more as the game approaches.
11: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Well, uh, Kyle, appreciate you calling in, sir. And, uh, Always enjoy our, our chats, and uh, Mavs have allowed the Cavs back in it. It's 105-102 with four and a half to go, and uh, I don't know what's going on. They had Luca on the bench for a long, long time. I'm looking at the game cast right now, and he didn't have the ball. I mean, he hadn't had the ball the whole fourth quarter, so he's finally back in the game. Luca's with got 34 points, six assists, five boards, but anyways, three-point lead for the Mavs, four minutes to go. So.
11: Can we just say, by the way, the Timberwolves need to get rid of Luca Garza. Because the fact that they have Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert on their roster, that dude is going to the G League and putting up 35 to 40 points a night.
0: He's averaging like 36 a game in the G League right now. Can't he be signed by someone else or he cannot because of the two-way contract? I
11: I don't know. I'm not sure how that all works. I mean, he does have a two-way contract, so they can call him up and down as they want to, but... He, I just cannot imagine that he couldn't play somewhere else. Somewhere else.
0: Like He'll, somebody will there probably be a movement on that contract, I would guess. Well, maybe before the deadline. I, I don't know. Yeah. There
11: there has to be because he's I mean he's he he looks like a completely different player um like even just from when he was at high or his first year in the NBA since he slimmed down. I mean he just looks he looks unguardable in the G League. And it's just I it just you watch him play and it just looks like he just looks like an NBA player now so it's just frustrating to see him not get a shot somewhere yeah he's at uh he's at third 33 12 33 12 and four uh on a block and a half he's shooting 71 percent from two 71 percent and 43 percent from three (laughs) that that is unbelievable
0: not quite Luka Doncic but Still pretty good.
11: 71% from two, Corey, on <laughs> 33 yeah. a game. In the G League. In, in, the, G in League. the G League. He, I mean, he'd still shoot 55% in the NBA from two.
0: Yeah. No, he'll get, I think he'll get somewhere. I just, his defense is not good. Yeah. He, he no, doesn't defend very well. So, but <laughs> we who's, know whose defense in the NBA is very good right now. Sure. Yeah. And Dude Liberty, who asked about the Maz? Uh, well, I did. 105, 102, <laughs> four minutes to go, Maz ball. Uh Luca missed the shot to Jared Allen. Anyways, we'll we'll move on. Uh Kyle, thank you for the call, sir. All right. Good to talk to you guys.
2: Thanks. Take sir. Care to
1: All well, right, let
0: me, yes.
1: I was gonna say, let me make one point that hadn't been made yet about Tennessee. Uh and it was touched on, but I just want to elaborate a little bit. As somebody called in and said, six different defensive backs are in the transfer portal or have opted out for whatever reason, six. I look to see how prominently those six DBs were. Three of those six were the third, the fifth, and the seventh leading tacklers on the team. Ranked number three, number five, number seven. That would be the equivalent of losing Schulte and whoever our our um, our cash might be. I guess Castro and and who else would come to mind, maybe a, a stalwart other defender in the back end wampa. Here's, go ahead i'm sorry wampa. wampa yeah that's a good example uh in order you might say well how many times ta- how many appearances did they have the guy that was third leading tackler the names aren't important because they're not they're gonna just to give you an idea that they played a lot the third leading tackler had 636 snaps the fifth leading tackler had 486 snaps and the seventh leading tackler had 387 snaps And actually, there was a fourth DB that had 311 snaps, all four of which are in the transfer portal. Uh, You might wonder how many games they appeared in. They appeared in 10 games, 10 games, 9 games, and 7 games. And even the guy that appeared in 7 games was listed as a starting corner. So the point is, maybe they decided these guys, they're making tackles, but we're still not satisfied with how they're playing. So we're going to give somebody else an opportunity to see what they can do. And maybe as a result of that, they decided maybe they left because they didn't think they could hang on to their job. I don't know what their circumstance might have been, but the point is the guys that are in the transfer portal are guys that played a lot of real snaps this fall. So at least they're hurting in the back end in terms of playing experience. The guys that are playing in so many cases have less less uh, experience on the field than the ones that are in the transfer portal.
0: Dino Chef says the only real difference is the DBs that uh, they lost were not very good in the first place. And just watch the Florida game highlights. Their starting secondary doesn't know how to tackle, Don.
1: Well, does that mean the ones that are transferring out or the ones that are now on the field? Maybe they don't know how to tackle either. We'll find out. Yeah.
0: Uh, Steve Cashman says, "What about Kevin Wilson for OC? Where is Kevin Wilson now, Don?"
1: You know, I'm not sure. Good question. He's a bright guy. I know that. He I was is- impressed with. I was impressed with what he did when he was at Indiana. I was
0: thinking he was at. Uh, no, he's at uh, Tulsa. He's the head coach down at Tulsa. Hmm. I didn't know that. Well, would would I'm just curious. I'm guessing head coach at Tulsa would be. He's probably making, well, he's most certainly making more than he would as the OC at Iowa.
1: Maybe not. Not sure.
0: Uh, let's look this up, Kevin you know, Wilson.
1: Oh, you're saying, yeah, you're probably right. I was, I was thinking in terms of two million. You're saying he's making more than a million.
0: Oh, he's making. Uh, let's see. He he's making two million a year there. Yeah. So okay. I don't know what you know. If Iowa could hire him at two million, would they? You know, again, I don't know. Um, What did Tulsa do this year in the American? Did they do anything? I
1: don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I don't think they had a great season. I think at best they were one of those bowl teams that's probably already played, and I didn't know it.
0: Bob says, what if Marco gets one series, does really well? Do you think we'll see him the rest of the game? I would sure hope so. (laughs) I would sure hope so. Uh, But we'd just be speculating, of course. Uh, John says, is Eric all coming back? Uh, from what I've been ter- told, unlikely. Uh, remember, he's got a kid as well. He's got a family. Um, somebody brought up Logan Lee earlier. Logan Lee's uh, an older guy that, that's got a family. He's, he's not coming back. Um, Jake Garrison says, uh, do all college athletes get a chance at a fifth year? Seems like everyone post-COVID has been eligible for a fifth year. I love it. Uh, no, uh, if you played in 2020, then you do get a, a chance at a fifth year. Of course, if you redshirted in 19 or redshirted in 21 after playing in 20, you can get a sixth year. That's why we see some of these sixth year guys uh, getting opportunities. Uh, William says, will Marco play as a way of telling coaches uh, or coaches telling Deacon he is not the future and possibly have him enter the portal again? I I don't think that seems to be the line of thinking that Kirk and the staff have taken.
1: If we haven't taken steps to discourage Deacon by now, I don't know that we're going to try to discourage him in the bowl game either.
0: Yeah, that seems like an odd... Way of looking at it. Uh, Shane says, does uh, Kirk get a big salary incentive for winning his 11th game? I don't have the answer to that.
1: I have no idea.
0: I don't know. Of course, we've talked about the incentives he gets after winning seven games, but uh, that does go up uh, based upon performances. I know Big Ten Championship is part of that. I don't know about winning an 11th game. Uh, Robert says, didn't get on until late, but it was great to hear Joey O. Watched him perform his trick shot entertainment at St. Andrews in Cedar Rapids many years ago during a charity golf event. He was incredible. By the way, uh, the Cavaliers have taken the lead. 107 to 105. Wonderful. Fabulous.
1: Uh (laughs) Is this being played in Dallas?
0: Yes, it is. And nobody cares about this game but me. Um, But the Mavs are getting killed in the glass. And uh, Mavs were up by as many as 20 earlier. And they're now down by two. Anyways, uh, Bobby says, um, Coach, could you share Coach Fry's philosophy on the stand-up tight ends and the benefit of doing so? Appreciate you doing the shows. Thank you, Bobby.
1: Well, I could talk a long time about this, but I will will say this. My one and only year at North Texas, it was a meeting we had in the summer, and Coach Fry began. We had a a tight end by the name of Darrell Terrell. He was tall. He had great hands, but he weighed about two and a quarter maybe. He was undersized. And I remember Hayden asking Bill Brazier, Bill, um, would it bother um, the strong safety if we were basically a 3 D. Uh, rover team so the strong safety who'd be defending the strong side flat would he have difficulty looking into the backfield if the tight end was standing up all day long and bill said i think that would bother him a little bit you know it's not it's unusual for somebody to be able to to get in his way that much from a frame standpoint so yeah that might bother him a little bit then he asked the outside linebacker coach uh howard howard we got him howard Sissel. howard howard how would your outside linebacker line up against a stand-up tight end? And Howard said, well, I don't know. We've never had to play against one, but I I guess we'd have to play a little bit taller. We, I think we'd be uncomfortable if we, were, if we had our knuckles dragging on the ground. I think we'd play in a more upright position also. And, uh, and Hayden said, let's do it. And we did, and Darrell Terrell was a real threat in the passing game. Uh, he, he was not um, going to be a great blocker anyway. But the truth of it is, the other thing he did for us, he was another set of eyes to the quarterback. Let me fast forward you to an Iowa game. We're playing a Wisconsin one year, and they were a three deep rover team. Also, what we used to call thirty sky strong safeties in a threatening position outside the tight end. And every time the every time the strong safety ran a stun into the backfield, the tight end blocked him. And after the game, Wisconsin said, "We don't know how Iowa knew." when we were going to bring that strong safety and here's the truth we had no idea when they were going to bring the strong safety but we had a tight end standing up with his hands on his hips looking at the guy if he came we blocked him if he didn't we released pretty simple so he's another set of eyes to the quarterback and he can handle blitz pickup versus a strong safety that's coming from off the ball because he's certainly in position to see what he's doing and so that just gives you some examples. Uh, We really refined it over the years to the point where we played UCLA in the bowl game in 1985. And I remember talking to a GA after the game at the convention that year from UCLA. And he said, he said, coach, we thought, we thought you guys were not going to be able to run off tackle against us, but be damned if you didn't do it anyway. And he said, how did you were able to get that done? And I said, well, if you go back and look at the video, the tight ends feet were up by the tackles hand So the tight end crowded the line of scrimmage, which forced forced the outside linebacker to play off the line of scrimmage a little bit further to give him that comfort of reaction time, you know, away from the pads of the tight end. So when we blocked down on a tackle to run off tackle with the tackle, uh, the outside linebacker had to first close across the line of scrimmage before he was able to try to squeeze. By then it was too late, so we ran effectively off tackle against him anyway. And also one advantage was a tight end standing up. I put it this way, Corey, if you're playing with your hand on the ground and and you tell the outside linebacker, I want you to keep Corey out of a pass route because we know they're going to try to get in the ball. Well, if your hand's on the ground, we're going to grab your pads because we can say we thought you were trying to block us. You know, it's going to be hard for the officials to realize we're holding you. But out of a two-point stance, it's kind of obvious if we're trying – to release downfield and you're holding this, you got you got your hands around our waist, not around our shoulder pads. Those are just some examples of how it can be effective for us, and it was very effective. The Big Ten didn't think we could make hay with it, but we did. We were one of the better offenses in the Big Ten with a stand-up tight end. And, of course, Marv Cook and Jonathan Hayes, to name a couple, Mike Flagg, they proved you can play stand-up tight end in, in college and still be a Pro Bowl player in the pros. Mark Cook did that twice for the Patriots.
0: Dino, Chef, uh, how does Phil go about preparing for a backup quarterback of the caliber of this uh, Tennessee quarterback, highly talented, with many, without many D one snaps to study?
1: Well, the one thing I would do, I, I would ask the offense if I could borrow Mark S to try to impersonate the guy a little bit better. Um, so you're going to have a case where backup players are going to have to service the number one unit. Uh, that's just being creative with how you how you structure practice. Obviously, that takes away Marco's preparation to play with the Iowa offense. But the first thing we better do is get those starting units ready to go. And if that means we have to ask Marco to service the defense some, um, then that's simply what we have to do.
0: All right. So we gotta, we're going to try to run through these last few callers relatively quickly. Thank you for calling. Hawkeye, hang out with Coach John Patterson. Who's on the line?
2: Hey, Corey and Coach, this is John. Hey, John. Um, The Heisman used to be, the best I can remember, the best player in college football, and now it seems like it's evolved into where it's just strictly a quarterback award. Uh, I'd like to see it go back to the best college football player, whether that's a punter, a tight end, or a defensive back. I'd be interested in you guys' opinion.
0: I don't know if you're ever going to see it be a punter, but uh, Don?
1: Yeah, I would I would like for it to have a little better balance. You know, it's been dominated by quarterbacks in recent years. Um, you know, you think of a guy like two, Cooper DeGene. If Cooper DeGene can be an impact player on defense and in the kicking game, shouldn't he deserve mention for the Heisman? And the answer is he absolutely should. Um, it may never happen, but there haven't been very many Um, very many players other than quarterbacks in recent years to even be in contention. Uh, I'd like to consider more backs. Uh, Here's a good example that we're familiar with. Uh, Chuck Long was a runner up for the Heisman, but the truth of it is if we decided that Ronnie Harmon should be our Heisman candidate, Ronnie would have got a lot of votes for the Heisman too, because he was both a runner and a receiver. Uh, And of course a home run hitter in both run and pass. So um, I don't know. They, I guess they get so preoccupied with stats. The game is more pass-oriented now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, it's hard for a receiver to do it. Harrison was a great receiver for Ohio State. And yet, as you know, there were many more than just Harrison catching passes and being productive for Ohio State. So it's the guy that benefits from all that, of course, is the quarterback because he's throwing, in so many cases, 35 times a game. And that gives him a chance to pile up some really impressive numbers. do
5: not do our tells go with him? How much will we have an advantage next summer with or next fall with a new OC and nobody will know what's coming?
1: Yeah, I think we do have an advantage next summer because you can bet wherever our our OC comes from, people are going to be the early season opponents. Of course, are going to be looking at video from his previous place of employment. Uh, but they still don't know how how that particular offensive coordinator is going to uh, make good with our players. You know, it's still going to be a little bit of a guessing game as to what Iowa might do in game one, game two, game three.
4: New Year, go Hawks.
0: Thank you. Appreciate that, John. Appreciate the call. Uh, all right, let's go to our next caller. Thank you for calling Hawkeye Hangout here with Coach Don Patterson. Who's on the line?
7: Bronco. Hey, Bronco. How are you? Good, good. I haven't called in a little while just because, uh, you know, everything happened with the big BF there, and I felt like uh, – You've been mourning, I haven't like, like, you?
0: You've been grieving.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I just I felt like my work was done. But today I'm I'm going to jump right in. I love you guys, but I'm going to jump right in because I have a – a couple things I want to pick your brain about. Uh, okay. First is a uh, different sport, but just real quick. Is there anything in your gut telling you that this might be Fran's last year? You getting that feeling at all?
0: Yes. I, I'm not saying I, I think that's going to happen, but I, I am i kind of similar spot as I was with Kirk a couple months ago, and that looks like that's going to be not true. I don't think Kirk's going anywhere, but there are certain things that have lined up with Fran this year where I could see it potentially being his last year. One of those things being... Jack McCaffrey's not coming here. Patrick is potentially well, most likely leaving after this year, so it's it's possible.
3: Okay.
7: Okay, so then this this thing, I'm just going to throw some names out at you and I just wanted to give you your likely or unlikely that they'll be back, right? And if I've missed part of this and sorry I haven't been able to listen the whole the whole show, but uh all right, let's go uh Nick Jackson. Likely unlikely.
0: I think he's back.
7: I agree. Okay. Uh, Sebastian Castro.
0: I will say gone.
1: I would suspect gone. I don't know that. He's played so well. I don't know. You know, part of the, the, um, the equation, of course, relates to family circumstance. I don't know exactly what his family situation might be.
7: Uh, Jamari Harris.
0: I think he's back. I think he should should be back because he said he's had an injury ridden season. He had a suspension. He's put more tape up for scouts.
1: He would be foolish to leave
0: if he's got an opportunity to come back. He should. Assuming Iowa wants him back, and I don't know why Iowa wouldn't because they haven't needed DB, he'll be back.
7: All right. Any any percentage at all in your mind? Any at all that uh, Cooper returns?
0: One hundred percent. There's a percentage. 100% yeah. there's a percentage. I'm not saying the percentage is 100%, but I'm saying yes, there's a there's a, yes. The 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 numbers are not double zero, Bronco. I can tell you that for a certainty.
7: Okay, that's that, that that's good news. Uh Marco Lineis, is he going to play at all in the bull game?
0: Sure hope so. I don't really have strong reason to to believe that, but uh, I sure hope so. All
7: right. Hey, guys. I can only hope. What's that, coach?
1: I said I can only hope that it does play.
7: Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah. But we're not going to drag this one down. This is my most positive call ever. So (laughs) thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I I love what you do. Thanks for answering the questions. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.
0: Sounds good, sir. Thank you for the call. I'm glad he, uh, yeah, I'm glad he didn't. Anyways, let's go on to uh, Corey. He's in the uh, queue. This is a third Corey, totally different Corey. Corey, you've called before as well. Uh, appreciate you uh, representing the name well. Thank you for being here.
2: All right. Hey, you got me on uh, audio?
0: You, you're you on. You're on audio and video.
2: <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, I'm sitting here watching you. and little Louisville here in... <clears throat> It's just intriguing to watch the quarterback play. And I wanted to, since we have Don on, I've got to ask these questions. Though he did offend me earlier with his rhinoceros comments. (laughs) Um, I'll forgive him and we'll look beyond that. So uh, I just look at our quarterback struggles and I look at uh, even when we had Cade, I know he wasn't 100%. Uh, but with Spencer, with Padilla, with, uh, throughout the, the last few years here, um, what percentage would you say we utilize the three-step drop versus the five-step drop versus a shotgun? Uh, and secondly, how does that impact the time the quarterback has? To me, the three-step drop, if you're not getting the ball out immediately – there is no potential to step up into the pocket because you're already up into the pocket. Uh, So that option's gone. And so uh, you look at the five-step drop, well it takes so long to get back there, but at least you have the option to step up into the pocket as those edge guys start coming. And then of course you got the, the shotgun. And I mean, I'm watching these guys in this game, it's like a five-yard snap. Uh, I mean, they could do a quick kick from the position these guys are in, throwing the ball. And um, that coupled with um, offensive line performance. And I just look at the short amount of time that we have had. And then on top of that, I wanted to also include the variable of route trees and – Receiver speed versus route tree creativity, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this back to the days of Chuck Long, back when he used to go back in the pocket and send out a couple of emails and catch up catch up with a call to his mom, and uh, and still have time to read the field and throw it. And we can thank an offensive line
1: coach by the name of Kirk Ferris for that.
2: (laughs) So, so, so how much of that, Don, would you say was better route trees for the receivers? What percentage of it was superior offensive line play? And um, what, because Chuck Long wasn't taking shotguns all the time. He was under center a lot of the time. You we, to... ran more, we ran more play action for sure than teams nowadays in general. And so do you think that play action was creating a lot of that open receiver, uh, catching the eyes of the safeties, catching the eyes?
8: Yes, I, I, I did... do.
2: So, yeah, I have... so what percentage between – I mean, if you had to divvy it out as to the balance of success and the proportion of the success that they owned it, uh, what percentage would you credit of the success would you give to the old line back then? What percentage would you give to the, the receiver's ability to get open? What percentage of this success would you give uh, to the – the team and the play action. Uh, how would you divvy that out as to what, how would you? What would you give the most credit? The uh, loud, Chuck Long, uh, the what seemed to me to be the maximum amount of time needed for a quarterback to go through his progressions. I would assign equal percentages to all the
1: groups involved. I think that's one way you can require them to have ownership in what we're doing. So if, if you want to break it down simply into protection versus receiver routes versus quarterback, you could say they're all a third of the equation. So we're not going to be very good at throwing and catching unless all three are working well. So you need to be sure that your job is not making the other, the other people's job more difficult. You need to hold up your end of the, Of the bargain and i think i think truthfully there's a pretty equal um equal um responsibility on the part of all three to get the job done it all starts with the quarterback of course he has to make and i think we i don't think we do a great job you know we used to spend a lot of time talking about pre-snap reads so you mentioned a quick passing game listen you better not even think about throwing a quick pass unless you got an open receiver and all you're really looking for is off coverage. And if we guess the loan we call for the way, well, we're going to convert. Our, we're not going to run a stop route right against a runner. That's stupid because you're just inviting a pass breakup or an interception. So what's the route adjustment versus cover two, a rolled corner that's playing zone? You convert to a quick slant. At least you have a chance. Um, I'll give you a, a primary example. <laughs> Excuse me. Years ago, we were playing against Nick Saban in LSU when I was at Western Illinois. And I was reflecting back on Nick's days as a DB coach with Ohio's, with uh, Michigan State. And I congratulated him. I said, "I said Nick, you guys did the best job of disguising coverage that we had ever seen. And that was back in 1985. You might remember the game. We made them 35-31. They had a running back that just tore us a new one. He was only a sophomore, but I think he was third in the Heisman voting that year, a guy named Lorenzo White. Anyway, I I was complimenting Nick on the fact that they did a great job in coverage. In other words, they'd show cover too, but stem to another coverage. Nick's response was, "Huh, it didn't do us any good. You guys simply adjusted your routes anyway. You were one step ahead of us. And I said, well, the truth of it is you're one step ahead of all other pass defenses because you mastered the art of disguise, and yet it didn't work against us because we routed just anyway. We were ahead of Bill Snyder, and and our offense were ahead of our time. Nick Saban was ahead of his time at Michigan State, but that wasn't enough to counter what we were able to do on offense. It did help that we had a running back named Ronnie Harmon that kept them honest with our running game, too, of course, not to mention solid offensive line, both run blocking and pass blocking. And let's not forget, uh, that was still an outstanding defense, too, a Bill Brazier defense. Not our best defense. That was 1981. The first Rose Bowl team, but '85 was a good defense also.
2: Uh, just trying, just trying to sort through this in my mind and make it make sense as to why it just seems so hard. <laughs> and uh, you know, you just you 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 can't just throw it all on the quarterback because half the time he's dropping back there and he's already got people all over him. Right. Um, now you don't want to carry the ball low and get the ball stripped and, and and whatnot. But I, I just, you look at some of these offenses, like I'm watching tonight and they make it look so easy. And it's just, uh, and I, I reflect back on my joyous childhood. Thanks to the, the coaches such as yourself. Uh, and those the the child- offenses made it look
1: pretty easy to it didn't they?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just – you try to make it make sense. You also try to uh, have hope for this bowl game. And uh, I took my kids down to the Big Ten Championship, and I took it on the chin like a man, and I, uh, I lost my voice. I screamed for my team uh, nonstop the whole game. And um, – but it, it just – you want to have hope that the offense can do something. And I guess the first thing is we're not playing Michigan's defense. Uh, we're going to be playing a different defense. So I don't think they're going to be quite as good as Michigan's defense was. And uh, secondly, um, you know, we have had a month to prepare. Typically, Ferentz coach teams, when they have a month to to prepare or well not a month but a significant amount of time uh they they put together some fairly decent fairly polished off offensive possessions um regardless of how whatever ailments they might have so i i just uh to me it's just it's it's so perplexing i watch these games and i watch the tape sometimes it's a blown assignment but a lot of time a lot of times it seems like there's there's a the edge guys are coming in but there's no pocket to step up into and so it's like now you're scratching your head you're like what's the solution for this one <laughs> a mobile quarterback <laughs> possibly
1: but Well, uh, we anyway. always talk about recruiting combination quarterbacks. Not that you have to be the world's greatest runner, but you have to be athletic enough to extend plays. And that's a problem for us right now. We're not very good at that. That's putting it kindly to say it that way.
2: Yeah, and we had a guy named, uh you know, Drew Tate that did a little bit of that yep. in certain games from time to time against the SEC once. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well, I, I I apologize. I'm, I'm dragging you into my confusion and my, I'm just trying to make it make sense. And then secondly, uh, I'll just say, I renewed, I renewed my swarm membership today and come on, Hawk fans. I'm an Iowa state graduate and I'm, and I was, I was born and raised a Hawkeye fan. My dad passed away. The greatest, day of his life was when we beat Penn State 2021. Uh, we He climbed stage four lung cancer to the top of Kinnick and uh, we sat up there and the Penn State fans are like, this place is electric. And my dad turned with such a satisfied look on his face, welcome to Kinnick. <laughs> and uh, That's right. anyway, um, I'm I'm uh, emphatically renewed as a Swarm member. Come on, Hawkeye fans. There's, there's 60 or 70,000 of you. Uh, come on, a couple hundred bucks here. Let's do this. We, we, we're re as a result of this. And uh, hopefully we get Nick Jackson back. And uh, a lot of these guys that my previ- the previous caller was asking about uh, join that swarm membership, you may have a little more influence on the return of these guys than you think. So,
0: there you go, Corey.
2: Thank you for a great show, uh, Corey. Thank you so much, Don. Uh, really enjoy it. And, and, and one last thing uh, one uh, ins- insignificant statistic of, as you commented on. Fifty or sixty yards difference in penalties, and you make that point that that may have negated a, a big explosive play. Right, that's your value right there. Uh, I appreciate that because those little subtle, uh, those little subtle statistics uh, may not represent the impact on the game. They may be huge.
8: And I That's appreciate
2: nice. you so much. You've enlightened me to the analytics side. And I really, I just really look forward to your take on it uh, because it's such an interesting take. And it's the whole hidden yard things, the whole, just all your perspective. Um, there's a lot more statistics than just, just plain numbers. They do have meaning and they do. And anyway, I just really appreciate your take because it's really added a whole another angle of interest to the game for me just listening to you. So, Well, you've you. seen the
1: movie Moneyball, maybe, Corey. I describe what I do as moneyball for college football. That's really what it is.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, thank, thank you Corey. for good show.
0: Appreciate it, sir. Um, D. Rollison here. Sell Cooper to come back. Heisman 24 via the new OC, having him on the offense as well for key scoring opportunities. Interesting take. Thank you for the super chat, Erica. She wants a Hayden story before bedtime. Don.
1: Oh boy, I already know where to start. There've been a lot of good ones, but I think I've told I've told some of them before, and I don't want to tell them a second time. Give me some thought. I don't know how much time we have before we. Sign off here, Corey. I'll be thinking about it the next few minutes.
0: Well, I was planning on wrapping this thing up, but we're about two and a half hours in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, not,
1: we're not paid by the hour, are we? <laughs> uh,
0: unfortunately not. But, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll give you an opportunity to uh, to think about that. I want to give one final plug to our sponsor, Iowa Floor Covering. If you have a flooring project or in need of uh, some DIY flooring ideas, give Iowa Floor Covering, a call at 515-379-7000. That's 515-379-7000. Beautiful building, beautiful store down in Bondurant, the heart of central Iowa. Tyler, Ryan, and the guys, they're Hawkeye fans. They can help you with whatever you need flooring, or maybe it's a tile shower you have uh, in the works. Give them a call or visit them online, iowafloorcovering.com. You see the backslash DIY. If you're interested in that tough core flooring you saw an ad for earlier, iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY Iowa floor covering down in Bondurant. All right, Don, you got a Hayden story for us. I gave you about 30 seconds, 40 seconds.
1: <laughs> well, this is one of my favorite stories. I've, I've told it before, but I realized a lot of our listeners haven't heard the story I'm about to tell. People have asked me through the years, do you have one story in particular that that uh, uh, offers a true glimpse of the kind of person that Coach Fry was? Uh, gosh, a couple come to mind. Here's one that comes to mind. Um, and it's kind of funny. You gotta, i got to take you all the way back to 1981. We're in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl. Of course, that was, as one writer said, that was a trip from the outhouse to the penthouse, uh, you know, year three. That's still the fastest turnaround in the history of the Big Ten. So here we are in Pasadena. Uh, Brooke was born April 14, 1980. So in December of 1981, Brooke is, what, barely 20 months old, 18 months old. Uh, so here we are on the bus, and Coach Fry loved kids, and so even though Brooke was just a child, uh, Coach Fry had Brooke on his on his knee on the front of the bus, and then when he removed Brooke from his lap, uh, Lisa couldn't help but notice Brooke had had wet herself, and and Hayden's leg was wet. His pants were wet. Here's the rest of that story. Coach Fry never said a word about that. He acted like it didn't even happen. And I know that's something that Lisa appreciated because he could have made a fuss about it if he wanted to. As soon as his pants were getting wet, he could have thrown her off off his lap, but he didn't do that. He let her sit there, and then when she was done, uh, when the trip was done, only then did we realize Brooke had wet on Coach Fry's leg. We didn't know it until after the fact. Uh, Brooke might be embarrassed, but she shouldn't be. She was only 18 months old. So,
0: what year would that have been about?
1: That would have been December of 1981, our first Rose Bowl.
0: Oh, 81. Okay. That's a young Hayden Fry. I mean, mean, just ask that because I've just uh, maybe you mentioned that, but
1: I've never told that story. Brooke would be mad at me for doing it probably, but she was only an infant, so we we shouldn't hold it against her.
0: Yeah, I don't Uh, think you're going to be able to beat that story. That's 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 about as good as it gets done.
1: That's a pretty good one. Very few people can claim that they that they went on Hayden Fry's pants, but Brooke can claim that she did that.
0: <laughs> it's something to be proud of, Brooke. If you're listening, your dad is proud of you, and uh, Coach Fry was was proud of you as well. So uh, thank you for all the uh, well wishing comments from everybody. Appreciate everybody being here for the better part of three hours. Uh, yes, the Mavs did lose, so I'll go off and mourn for the evening they'll play the Timberwolves tomorrow night up in Minneapolis the Hawkeyes will play the Volunteers of uh, t- Tennessee on Monday in the Citrus Bowl 12 p.m. Central time on ABC it's New Year's Day and we'll have postgame coverage for you right here from the Hawkeye of the Storm myself and coach Don Patterson for a live edition of Iowa postgame with coach John Patterson Don it's been a pleasure as always and uh, even though Monday will be the last post-game show officially for you and I uh, I look forward to it and um Let's just enjoy the bowl season. I know you're you're not big on the 6-6 six and six teams, but but uh, we'll enjoy New Year's bowls. And then, of course, we've got the playoff and everything, and uh, we'll have another climactic ending to another great college football season.
1: We do have any number of outstanding bowl matchups that are coming up in the next few days, and some of them start even tonight and tomorrow.
0: All right, folks. For Coach John Patterson, I'm Corey Bradda from the Hawkeye of the Storm. If you're interested in donating to the show, please remember you can do so by means of Venmo, PayPal, Cash App in the description below or sponsor the channel by reaching out to me from the eye of the storm at Outlook.com. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.